Hello, everyone. Welcome into the True North podcast. This is Christian Dockstader. Um, I am your host. So today I have a really cool episode with my my best friend and partner, Michael Naylor, who's been um, kind of in my camp and uh, being a huge support through the whole process from just initial idea of True North Float all the way to, you know, manifesting it into reality and bringing an opening just recently, a few weeks ago. So I'm super stoked for this episode to share with you guys. And, um, but first a little, uh, little housekeeping. So I do not have sponsors for this, um, for this podcast at the moment. So I figured it'd be instead a good opportunity to just, uh, plug True North Float because that's, the real sponsor here. It's the real uh, fuel for the podcast as well. And really, uh, so what we're doing right now with True North Float is we just we just opened, we just kind of uh, went through our soft launch period, and we've been getting some really awesome feedback um, and also getting a lot of people in here right away, which has been really exciting. Like the reception to the community has been uh, incredible. A lot of great reviews already and I'm hoping to get some, um, now that we have the podcast up and running again and I have more free time, we're going to be getting some, uh, some of you hopefully who can share your story and share a little bit about your experience floating to give, you know, people a little bit of insight as to what's going on here and, um, the benefit that, that floating can offer. But we've been obviously, you know, launching a business and you're, you know, just <laughs> jumping into the deep end, trying to figure things out. And so, uh, we've, we, def- we already made a little change to our pricing and just just to not really a, a change, a significant change because the essence of it is the same, but we want to uh, change the the um, verbiage and the way that it's presented to make it make sense more and to give people the very best uh, experience and the very best opportunity to get into floating. So what we're doing now is we're, we just initiated our first time floater package. Uh, we just rolled that out. So basically what that looks like, what that means is for 99 bucks, you can float three times. So that is, uh, (laughs) the cheapest you'll ever see floats. It's $33 per float and it's, um, only available if you're a first timer, if it's your first time coming in and, um, and, and those credits are only good for you. So you can't share those ones with your friends. It's just because we really want people to get to their third float. We understand that, you know, a lot of us have some pretty thick outer shells, you know, and it makes sense. We're in a non, a society of nonstop stimulation. So it takes a couple of times sometimes to, to really drop in and to experience the true benefits of floating. Um, so we're confident that by getting people to float three times, they're going to get a glimpse of that. They're going to see that. And we're, um, happy to refund anybody the 99 bucks back. If after three floats, they're not absolutely stoked. So that's, that's the first time floater package. It's here just in time for the holidays. If you want to give a gift to anybody for, for the holidays and you want to gift floating, we have a gift card available for that as well on our website. So just check out tnfloat.com. That's where you can schedule, purchase, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And um, for any of you who are just, you know, who haven't come in yet, it, it now's a great time before we're super busy. And 
you know, there's eventually probably going to be a little bit of a demand on these tanks and some, some, you know, less, less availability on the schedule. So now's a great time to be one of the first to get in and try it out and, um, experience what, what it's all about here to, at True North Float. So, uh, in other news, our fire and ice room is not looking too hot. Our chiller, uh, the, the chiller control circuitry control panel is down. And so we're, we're working on fixing that, but be, I think because of COVID, there's just no replacement circuit board for it anywhere in stock. So it's been a challenge trying to get that fixed and hoping to have it up right away so people can get in there and Wim Hoffers can get in there and all these people who want to use the sauna and the cold plunge uh, in tandem. So we'll have that up as soon as possible. But anyways, um, that's about it for housekeeping. I'm super excited for uh, for the business, for the response already. And, you know, for our first month ever, um, we're already we're already on track, you know, to start re- reaching our goals. So things are, things are kicking off with a bang and I'm really excited about it. So, uh, yeah, come, come check us out at True North Float. Uh, and it's tnfloat.com, um, for you to check out that first time floater package. So without further ado, I want to, uh, blast this off with Mike Naylor. We, we did get a little blasted off, um, started out the podcast with some presses and then, uh, ended up finishing it with some, Mary Jane and, uh, always love talking to Mike. Um, I feel like, you know, we can go anywhere, talk about anything. It's, it's awesome. Just having somebody who's pretty much on the same wavelength, uh, all the way across the board. And so it's, I'm real, really grateful to have him as a, as a partner and as a, as a brother, as a friend. So, um, yeah, well, enjoy this episode with Mike Naylor. What do you mean by the word I? What we call reality is in fact nothing more than a culturally sanctioned and linguistically reinforced hallucination. So one thing that we never got a chance to do mm. was like properly celebrate. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, oh fuck. COVID, uh, COVID destroyed Cheers, our celebration brother. plans. <laughs> I know. It definitely did. Mm. That feels good. <laughs> Press always feels good. Yeah. It's strange. How come all the other seltzers are so much like lower quality? Because they're... They're trying too hard. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I I mean, they're all copycats, right? Like, Coors just came out with one. Oh I yeah, I haven't tried it, but yeah, why not That's dip their fingers sad. in it? That's kind of sad. They're just realizing that like the light beer market's evolving to a seltzer market, mm-hmm. which makes sense. I mean, you're you're just getting away from you're you're basically targeting people who want to taste less but get fucked up, right? But and not have as many consequences. Right. Which is and it, probably it press is the best at doing that. Yeah, it does a good job. Like, like Michelob Ultra seems to, and it, I get it. Like, if you love the taste of beer and you, you know, you've been doing it for decades, like, mm-hmm. I can see why you wouldn't want to change. Mm-hmm. But 
if you're just looking at like minimal consequences of, of what you're putting in your body, I mean, you're still getting a lot of consequences. You're getting alcohol, yeah. <laughs> which is like, I guess we don't really know about the consequences yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying like, it doesn't have a shit ton of, uh, calories and carbs, right? Yeah. And, that's and true. sugar and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I mean, who knows what it actually has? They don't put it on the, on the can. It's not like I can just read it. They're good for the occasions that they're good for. I think, I think that beer is good for, you know, you're not going to go, you're not going to go downtown Portland and get a couple of presses, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're going to get like some craft cocktails right. or maybe some hate speech or something. Right. <laughs> like, no, you're there for whatever, some craft beers. Whatever's happening in downtown Portland now is, Portland's probably one of the weirder places to be in the world. Like, yeah. dude, it's crazy. Like, there's just, like, constant protests and riots and shit, and people... I mean, it's probably not as crazy as it as it seems to be from on the outside, because yeah. of how people portray things, like the media. Well, you can go there and see. Yeah, it's true. Speaking of which, we're way overdue for a Portland trip. Yeah. <laughs> or a Seattle trip. Yeah. I'm just... I'm worried about um, it being not as good. Now versus a few years ago? Well, yeah. I mean... Think about it. Like, think about all of what's changed and the restrictions on partying now. Yeah. COVID. True, but to be completely honest, it kind of makes going to dinner or going to a bar nice now because it's not so crowded. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean you got to wear distance, a mask. But, and, and... but you don't want to... The problem is, is the limit uh, it, it puts on social interaction, mm-hmm. which is what places like cities have going for them the most. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go there by yourself and have a great time meeting total strangers and, you know, just like go to a new, go to a new True. city, a new bar, a new hotel, new, all, all this stuff. And just like you're thrust in the middle of this culture mm-hmm. and it's pretty sweet. But now that's kind of like you're, it's a, like weird training wheels and barriers to everything. So I can't have that's real, true. it's hard to have genuine connections with people when we have masks on. Yeah. So, in other words, you can go with with your group, though, and and plan on not interacting with a bunch of of strangers like you would. That's true. Yeah. If you were solo traveling. That's true. And that's that would be the way to do it. But I don't know. Right now, it just seems like if you're gonna go take a group trip somewhere, why not go like if you're gonna only be hanging out with those same people anyways? Why not go yeah. somewhere where you can like have more space and like a cabin or like the woods or true. I I think it's weird. Like I, I maybe, maybe it's pretty cool right now. Like maybe it's, maybe it's actually better than I think, but something, I just don't feel the draw to go to Portland right now. Like, or really any city, like no, no city is like calling to me. Like, Oh, I wish I could go there. Yeah. That's where I'm at. You kind of feel like if you wait, you could experience it for what it's, what it's actually worth. Or, you know, the whole Hopefully, hopefully that comes back. Yeah, hopefully. Um, it probably will. It just just take time. Like, it took millennia for people to gather together in cities like this. True. So I don't think it's just going to, like, end because of one virus. Yeah. Where people just, like, flood to the suburbs and the rural areas and never come back to urban life. <laughs> like, it's, right. it's probably just paused or, like, restricted for now. But in a year or two, it'll probably come back. Yeah. I mean, to be completely honest, I'd be pretty content flooding to the mountains and staying there for the rest of my life. That's pretty much what you're doing. <laughs> I know. Like building I'm your trying. house in, in Summit Park. Like that's, 
that's the step by step yeah so what's going on with that has that like started i mean um, obviously you were you have the plans and stuff but you guys broke ground uh no so we did we got the the final uh final plans done obviously we had to have a civil engineer come and um map out the whole lot and everything yeah which they were telling me you don't typically have to do that with residential but because summit county is so picky mm-hmm. that's something that they require so that's going to take probably another week and then we're going to submit for approval for like a permit yeah yeah so they go over everything tell you if you're good to go uh-huh. it can take anywhere from two weeks to eight weeks three months probably i'm planning on about a month and a half just to get a permit just to get approved to buy the permit what the fuck yeah there's a lot of there's it's a lot like of back bureaucracy and forth. yeah but thankfully i i know people that have just had this done so we can shortcut it and and have as, as little hiccups as possible yeah either I'm, way i have a, a good amount of time uh, i can't break ground i'm so. pretty sure from when the, the time that we got our plans for this place mm-hmm. to when we had our permit was actually pretty fast mm-hmm. it was i want to say two weeks or less yeah might have been one week well legally but, but they have Ephraim knows days. Ephraim knows um you know like the guys at the he's been submitting permits from True. with them for a long time and knows them personally and i think he helped get it sped, sped up a little bit but the real thing that killed us was just the plans taking forever. Yeah. But yeah. was it really that, was that a bad thing? You Dude, it, honestly, it wasn't so much <clears throat> the plan. Like the plans would have gone faster if I'd have been pushing it, but I stopped pushing it because of COVID. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. What I'm saying is if we would have opened up a month sooner, would that have made that big of a difference overall? Right. It probably would have been worse. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because we were supposed to open... Uh, and when we, when we say open, we're talking about true North float. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're talking about opening the float center. Um, for those tuning in, Mike's my partner and that's, that's, um, what we just, what we just did. We built a float center, but yeah, we were supposed to open August 1st and it didn't happen Mm -hmm. because of COVID. Like we signed the lease (laughs) and then like 10 days later, COVID hit. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I shouldn't say COVID hit because it was already <laughs> hit, but it was when it went mainstream and everything got shut down. Got a little more serious. And so, yeah, I, I did some soul searching for a couple months. Like, whoa, what are we, like, what's the best plan of action moving forward? And Meanwhile, you had my... already committed to 10 years. <laughs> yeah. No, like it wasn't, it wasn't like, what's the best plan of action? Uh, like, can I pull out of this? It was more like, what's the best plan of action? Like, what's the how do we move forward in the, mm-hmm. in the best way that's going to be successful? Um, and also honestly, like my pers I don't know if anybody listened to like the podcast I released right when COVID hit, but my, uh, my mind was so far gone towards other things than just the float center mm-hmm. because co- COVID just like took me into a mindset of like, Whoa, what the fuck's happening with the world? Mm-hmm. And thinking about like those types of bigger questions and um, it just made me like, I don't know, contemplate a lot of things. And then, yeah, same. It seemed less important to like rush to try to get this built, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was kind of in the headspace that was, you know, this when spring hits, usually every year things get really busy in construction. So, uh, that a little closer. So yeah, obviously when, when COVID hit and I kind of just pulled the reins back a little bit and 
sort of just had some time to think, you know, yeah, <laughs> get my head out of the hustle and think. And it actually sounded pretty good to just liquidate, collect what I could and then just, and just chill out, you know? Yeah. And maybe strategize and come up with a new plan and not, not be so antsy to grow, I guess. Yeah. That's the thing is it, I think it made a lot of people question the growth, um, program yeah. paradigm, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like, like that's pretty much what capitalism has built into it, right? It's yeah. like a story of growth mm-hmm. because if you're not growing, you're, you're going out of business. I know. And it's such a grind to grow. And, uh, it's actually, it usually happens really slow, you mm-hmm. know, for mm-hmm. how hard, for how hard you have to work in a, in a business to, to grow your business. Um, it seems like it's all happening very slow, yeah, especially if you're in a competitive market. Yeah, exactly. Which industry. almost everything is competitive these days. Yeah. Unless you're like in a new industry, newish industry yeah. or something. So right. like with plumbing, like your plumbing business, mm-hmm. really fucking competitive, really competitive. Yeah. It's really competitive, but there's at the same time, there's so much to go around. There's such a call for it. But that's just because we're in Utah. Yeah. You know, like that's but, not the case everywhere. But that's where I exist. Yeah. No, so like in Utah, if you're in construction, you're all hands on deck all the time. All the time. It's you can't like get you, enough help. Yeah. Nobody can get enough guys to do all the work. Yep. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say like, uh, that a guy tell me he's too busy. He's so busy. He doesn't have time to take a shit. <laughs> like, like he's just running all day long and there's, yeah. It, and there's so much money on the line because yeah. these projects are huge. And if you don't take a shit before you leave your house, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you're running too much. That's kind of ironic. Like you're in the business of helping people shit. Yeah. And you can't take one yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, but when you do get around to it, it's a nice break. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm grateful. I get to take three shits a day. Even though you're nice. still responding to the five missed texts and seeing who you need to call back. Yeah. So the competition's high, but the demand is higher. So it's mm-hmm. like everyone's getting business, right? Yep. And at the same time, we're like all sort of caught up in this sort of runaway freight train of growth where mm-hmm. in order to keep up with the competition, you know, like you're growing mm-hmm. and in order to make money, you're growing, right? And uh, you know, as a, as a business owner, as you... Like if you're not super conscious about it and step aside from your business to see what's going on, yeah. it's super easy to just watch your expenses grow right along with your revenue. Oh yeah. So and that's actually the norm for most businesses. It is. So it's it, like go you're, ahead. you're you're pretty much just creating a a flow, a cash flow. Yeah. And you know you go through really busy times, and when you're busy, your your head is in it, and you're go go go, and you're not paying that much attention. You're not sitting back. I mean, if, if you're doing it right, I suppose, if, if things are being managed right, you can sit back. But oftentimes, oftentimes you, like you're saying, you know, there's there's revenue on the line. It's, yeah. it's easy to get. And so you're, for me, I just put myself in there. Yeah, you I, say yes, please to the job. Yeah, you say yes, please, and, and you, you put on your belt and you go to work and you run guys and, and all that. But, but yeah, you, you create a create a river and whether you're growing or not you're you're just doing it you know you're just going for it most of the time and if you're not going for it then you are running out 
Right. So it's <laughs> like you're you're forced to run on the hamster wheel. You are. Yeah. So you're on the hamster wheel, and you you keep running, but as you run faster, the wheel spins faster. It so does. it feels like you're staying in place sometimes, even when <clears throat> your revenue is going through the roof, like you're mm-hmm. doing tons crazy of money worth of yeah crazy numbers you never do like you're but you're then you're writing these massive checks for payroll right. these massive checks to your supply house right and you're just watching it all drain you know faster than you ever thought you'd see a drain right like mm-hmm. you didn't know it was possible to have like an invoice <laughs> for 80 grand or whatever right. <laughs> and it's right. like what the fuck is this <laughs> <laughs> how do i do with this yeah but so my point is is it's like it, it you're putting and and with that comes way more stress right yeah once you scale up and you're running faster, just like if you're a hamster running at full speed, that's stressful. So it's like mm-hmm. you're you're stressed in this high pressure cooker environment where you have to like you have all these guys relying on you for paychecks. Yeah. You know, you've got like liability because you're on these big commercial jobs and shit and you don't want or, or whatever it is like you can't mess shit up. Guys getting injured on the job site. Yeah. And then, and then your bills go up higher from there. Yeah. Yeah. Insurance costs, vehicles, like it all scales up and it gets incredibly overwhelming. Um, a lot of people just burn out. Yeah. They just flake out. They can't handle it. Yeah. Most yeah. people can't handle that transition from, you know, journeyman plumber, like working on your own or working for someone else, but making this, but making good money. And then going to your own, doing your own thing and trying to like keep that successful too. Cause they go in it with the technician mindset, right? Yeah. Like, Oh, I'm a plumber. I'm a framer. I'm a concrete, whatever it is. Um, they, and then they go try to do their own thing cause they have the skill set to do the actual, you know, work. Right. But they don't necessarily realize that the, the business, business itself skill. is going to yeah. just eat them alive. Yeah. There's kind of a, there's kind of a sweet spot that you have to get to. Like, it, um, if you want to, you can make good money being a technician and working for a company. And honestly, if they're taking good care of you and you have, you have benefits and things like that, it might be better to just, to just chill out and do that. Yeah. It's um, more secure, right? It, it is. But if you, if that's not good enough for you, which for a lot of people, it isn't, um, you, you would have to be prepared to leap in a major way. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not like I'm going to make this little trans transition and go in do this myself and, and make the same amount of money you you have to commit to really going hard to hit the their steps yeah you know? benchmarks milestones They're, exactly and, and if, if you hang out in the in-between you're not you're not gonna gonna grow the way that you want to right really, you have to you have to hit those next benchmarks right so i mean i mean nowadays i guess it is a little like because of like freelance the internet, right? So if you're somebody who's a freelancer, like a writer, graphic designer, whatever, like you can do your, these these skills allow you to work from anywhere online mm-hmm. and just kind of freelance. Like that's still hustle. Like you still have to hustle. Like that's yeah. still hard to get established, but yeah. you don't have the same sort of overhead and the same sort of like stress. You could still be a one man shop doing all that stuff, right? Yeah. And and branch out on your own but still be the technician who's yeah. kind of just doing things like small, like smaller business, like a kind of solo entrepreneurship type stuff, yeah. Yeah. which is pretty cool that people are empowered to do that. But I guess what, what I want to get back to is like, what is so, why are we so um, caught up in the story of growth? Like it's got everything by the balls it and, does. and that's why COVID hit so hard in America mm-hmm. because our, well, I mean the world, we're all kind of, on the back of capitalism yeah. and consumerism and the story of growth. But 
I mean, it just, if, and this is why I was so like slowed way down in March Mm -hmm. because of COVID. Like I, I was at the same time reading some books that were, I mean, it was like, I couldn't have been reading them at a weirder time for all this to happen, but it like Eisenstein's work and stuff, but it's, it's fascinating that we have a story that relies on an economic story that relies on infinite growth. Mm -hmm. So growth is the constant in the equation. You don't ever change the fact that there's going to be growth. It's, it's, it's assumed and it's a given that we're going to have growth in the equation. But how can you have growth in the equation if the space is, is finite, if it's limited space? Mm-hmm. You can't grow forever. Now, it's just a matter of time before you hit the boundaries of your space. You run out of space to grow. And that, I mean, I know you could argue, make the argument like, well, we can grow vertically. Like, it's not like we're just growing in, in, in our environment, but we're also growing on the internet and we're growing through a digital space as well. Right. And I, I understand that very well, but I'm just saying like we, the, the, the math doesn't add up. Why is it always about up, up, up? Yeah. More and more and more the story of more. And, and why is it about that? But also like, I think we're starting to realize there are limitations. Like a hunter gatherer saw the ocean as the end of you know, the end of the world, uh-huh. you know, you're not, ever, it just goes world. forever <laughs> that, and they have a story like a God, a, a Poseidon, whoever it is, like there's a God who r- runs the ocean Somewhere out and there. nobody sees what's on the other side. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's just like that forever. And so obviously Poseidon is, you know, not hunter gatherer God. That's like <laughs> the wrong time. But my, my point, my point is simply like the used to be that the vastness of it used to be so eminent that there was, there was no, um, there was no chance that was ever going to be, uh, that we were ever going to see scarcity. Like imagine the abundance of a hunter gatherer, mm-hmm. like the amount of fish that you'd be seeing in the river and the Buffalo and all of that stuff, right? Like it's just endless. The oceans are endless. The rivers are en- like all of it's so abundant. And then now we're in a position where in the next 50 years, we're going to have a global water crisis. Yeah. Right. So it's like we're, and we're, and we're experiencing all of this other scarcity, like water is probably the new gold. So were you wondering when that, that constant need for growth came into play? Well, I think it came into play with agriculture, but I'm wondering like if people, I mean, really, I don't think most people are even aware because they're Mm -hmm. born into the story. Right. Right. So if you're a business owner or a, entrepreneur you're just a hamster running yeah you're not really most people probably aren't even aware that that's built in it's just that they're just playing the game and they're just hustling trying to win and then you know trying to run faster than the other guys yeah i think it all starts when you're when you get your first job and payroll comes around you get your first paycheck yeah and you get a look at that pay stub and see how much money you actually made and then how much you get (laughs) Right. <laughs> and when you realize how much you get is such a smaller number and you need, I mean, really it's, it's, it's the way that it's set up that, that programs our minds at a young age to, to hustle, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know a lot of people that just can't, they just, they don't like that idea. It doesn't click with them. And I, I honestly think that's what creates entrepreneurs when they, you know, you don't want to be a part of that. You want something, yeah. something bigger, something different, where you're not just yeah. just forced to be told what to do in order to achieve what you want. You know? Yeah, it, you want to you want to play by your own rules, mm-hmm. but then the problem is like you go to create your own version, your own game, and yeah. then you realize like it, before you know it, it can get 
it can get morphed into something else really yeah. fast because you're still in this ecosystem, a business, right. whatever, right? Like right. Of doggy dog, of growth, capitalism, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it changes. You you might have like these grand this grandiose vision and stuff, but before you know it, you're stressed as fuck, and you're you know doing whatever jobs you can just to pay your bills, like. You know, you're, you're sending out all of the discounted ads and you're doing all the things right. you said you'd never do, just trying to, just trying to get whatever work you can to survive. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that, that's like a reality for people. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. Cause like if you just zoom out and, and COVID I think showed us this the most because it, it just threw a giant wrench in the machine of yeah. growth. Like immediately we just like saw the opposite of growth. We saw things sort of like shrink in. Right. And stop completely for a minute. But it kind of felt good. Dude, it did. And that's <laughs> the thing is, and so this is why I want to tie it back to what we have here. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's something about pausing, something about stopping completely. Right. That is so essential because how can you even know what you're, that you're running on the wheel if you're running 24 yeah. seven, you're running 24 seven, it becomes just your background noise. So it just right. becomes like the way of life, the lifestyle. You don't realize it's awful. Yeah. You don't realize like the full scope of your situation unless you can step a couple steps back and see it more clearly and take a deep breath, right? Gather your thoughts and mm-hmm. strategize a little bit. Yeah. And so COVID for, for a lot of people that was COVID mm-hmm. like the quarantine, people were quitting their jobs. People were like working remotely. People are, you know, just changing lifestyles. I mean, out of necessity and out of like, Oh, like this is weird like i was just giving my life six days a week to this thing yeah you know and not spending time with my kids and yeah you know that kind of shit i think it'd be smart even even for me in construction i consider once a year shutting my business down for two weeks and you know you can you know most companies pay some pto yeah if those that choose to can yeah, <laughs> I guess you could you could still let things operate for those that really wanted to, but for everyone else, you just sit back and take a break yeah. for two weeks and spend time with your family, whatever it is that that you want to be doing. But honestly, I think you're ten times more productive when you come back. Yeah, uh, but even then, like that's the idea of a vacation or some paid time off. Like that's a start, but it's not. It's still not balance. Like there's fifty two weeks. Right. And we're talking about two weeks. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's so 50 weeks of 52 weeks, <laughs> but 50 weeks of chaos and then yeah. 52 weeks. Like it, I'm not even talking about vacation time right now. I'm just talking about the lifestyle in general, like yeah. the lifestyle itself. So how, how do you, how do you create a sustainable, like a lifestyle where, you know, you're taking care of you mm-hmm. and you're living at the pace of life that you want to live, meaning not not sped all the way up. Like you can, it's obvious. Just go spend one day in, uh, what some small rural town, Mm -hmm. you know, in Iowa, whatever, Mm -hmm. and then go spend a day in Manhattan. Right. (laughs) Well, Manhattan pre COVID. I don't know what it's like now, but my point is, is like the speed of life is so different Yeah. and it's chaos in one. It's just nonstop. It's go, go, go. Everyone's rushing everyone's got somewhere to be there's there's honking there's traffic there's urgency there's yeah. and that's why people like it it's like there's stuff happening right yeah but at the same time it's like you just get sucked into that and you you don't ever take the breather you don't ever yeah. have a chance to step back from it all and i would say that like 
overall our general ever since the industrial revolution and our, our general in general our society is on this runaway freight train where nobody's really controlling this thing like it's just going off of momentum mm-hmm. and it's just going in this direction and the question is is what's the fucking direction like where what are we headed towards um and is it a cliff like are we are we gonna have some sort of cr- crash or or are we are we uh gonna be able to like evolve and see our situation more clearly and adapt it in time to uh, to prevent serious catastrophe because i think serious catastrophe is on the horizon for sure yeah i mean you can't just go 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 all the time and and retirement cannot be your goal because <laughs> that's an option. dude idea. i couldn't agree anymore you can't amen to that you can't go 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 till you're 65 for some people 75 some people never even get the opportunity to retire and when they do, it's not that great because yeah. they're out of money anyway. Yeah. But maybe they're retiring out of necessity because their body's breaking down on them. Yeah. At some point you have to. Yeah. Right. Whether, whether you have set your life up to where you are taken care of or someone yeah. else has to take care of you. Yeah. And what, what kind of life is that to spend, uh, to spend like, I don't want to say wasting away mm-hmm. your prime years, but you know, giving away a lot of your prime years, giving away a lot of your time, which is yeah. our most scarce resource. It's the yeah. limited thing we have, right? Yeah. Is our time. You give away the prime decades and then, you know, once you you're old and your hips don't work good, <laughs> yeah. then you you have all the leisure time and and frankly boredom. Yeah. You know, it seems like a lot of boredom. Yeah. Because I mean, there's only so much that, you know, you can do with at that phase in life anyways. Like, well, I don't want to, that's the wrong way to say it. I'm not trying to say you, I'm saying physically you're more limited, right? And energetically you're less ambitious. You're, you know, mm-hmm. more conservative. That's just nature. You know, you're older, you're more conservative. Makes sense. Right. But those are like you in, in reality, you should be, um, you should be using your prime energetic years. Like, doing something incredible. Oh, and yeah. I don't mean just Experiencing. like, like I, that applies to work too, right? Like I think you should be building the future you want to create. But maybe not plan on it taking 45, 50 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> like the idea of, oh, I'll just, I'll chain myself to this desk job, mm-hmm. put 5,500 bucks in my 401k every year or my IRA or whatever. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, when I'm 55 or 65 or whatever it is, then I'll be able to live comfortably and maybe, you know, have this lifestyle where I have a little nest egg and I can do whatever. But like, even if that pipe dream was real, which is fucking falling apart, it's not real. Like people are not going to, like, we're not going to, you and I, we're not going to draw social security. Right. Like we're we're not going to get that shit. It's not going to work out for us. Mm -hmm. So, and, and maybe, you know, we have enough stability, like the economy holds together. And like, if you have your IRA and all that kind of stuff, and the US dollar keeps intact for another 30 years, you know, maybe, but dude, inflation and the way that the the dollar that your spending power in dollars is just getting, it's evaporating, like, yeah, in front of our eyes, like, yeah. it's just disappearing. I mean, it's only going to accelerate that trend since COVID. And the way we're printing money. Do you think that lifestyle of, um, I guess, being able to to do whatever you want, uh, you wake up in the morning and you plan your day type of thing, and you have all this freedom, do you think that's a lifestyle that everyone is after? Because I feel like a lot of people that have a job 
for uh, some type of a, a career. Maybe they've earned a license, and they they can they actually feel very fulfilled doing what they do, type of thing. To where it's not like that's the goal is to, yeah. to quit doing this. Yeah, you know, yeah. They yeah. actually really like where they're at. That's and they awesome, really yeah. feel fulfilled. You know. I I think no I I think that's for a lot of people that's I mean I think it's rare, yeah. but I think that's great. That's if you're I think what we're talking about is vocation. Like if you can find where your purpose and what you're doing for money overlap, Mm -hmm. that's vocation. Mm -hmm. That's where it's like, okay, I would be doing this shit anyways, but it's great that I get to make money. That's why like, I love seeing Anne being able to paint Mm -hmm. and like what she's created here at the float center and with her art and her mural and all that. It, it just makes me want to cry. I'm so happy because it's like she, her purpose is to fucking paint, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. just by watching her paint, like seeing what she creates, it's it's and seeing how fulfilled she is by right. doing it too. Like that's it, it's it's so cool. And I hope that she can, you know, turn it into something that right. gives her a good living too. But and I think and I know she will. But my point my point is is like that right there is the goal, is where you can overlap those two things, right? Yeah. yeah. And most people unfortunately, um, because of the circumstances, they don't, the circumstances in, in, in our, our current climate, they don't, um, default towards that. Yeah. It, so in other words, when we go to school, when we grew up, it wasn't like, what is your purpose? You know, mm-hmm. like, it's not like we have our parents and our teachers and, and uh, the community elders, whatever, asking us like, what is it that you're going to, to be and do like it, like, and focusing on the inner sort of creativity and, and intuition of a child taking you in the like using your playfulness and and curiosity to direct you in the in the thing that you're most excited about because yeah. that's what that's seems like the obvious way to learn well think back though think back from between age 10 to age 25 even if somebody was constantly hammering you what are you passionate about you know yeah trying to push you know trying to get you to to uh, steer your life in a certain direction yeah. Um, what would your answer have been through those times? Because I know for a fact, I, I didn't even know what I was passionate about clear up until several years ago. Yeah, totally. I, I think, um, well, there's a couple of problems, right? One is, um, we, without even really noticing, probably we immediately stifle, uh, the, the natural, the, the nature of like a child, right? Yeah. By like, think about like a, a kid who's always asking questions, you know, and is curious. And eventually, like, they're gonna hit some sort of roadblock where that curiosity starts to get more and more stifled. Like, you, they start getting dead end answers. Uh-huh. You know, like, well, that's just the way it is. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And and that's well, that's the way God made you. Right. And that's the way you know <laughs> that's God's path, God's plan, whatever. Like, there's these sort of like, it you can you can be curious to a point, and then. All of a sudden, you realize everyone else around you is giving you the same. They're they're all kind of conforming to the same norms, and living out the same patterns. Mm-hmm. And so it it just by virtue of the fact that you're in that environment, it's kind of non-verbally communicated to you. Like it's just sort of something kids pick up on. And I think that naturally went like diminishes their curiosity. And it naturally like you have to almost be 
it, I think it's harder for kids. They have to go against the grain. They yeah. have to go against the current, especially when you get to school, dude. School is like, okay, now let's let's beat into your head for 12 years everything that is. And basically, we, we're going to we're gonna present it to you in a way, well, this is the way it is. Yeah. Instead of, instead of having you doing. go and fucking find out for like... Through curiosity, yeah. right? right? It's it's the opposite way. It's like we're gonna force you into this this environment that most kids absolutely can't learn in, yeah. And that's why it takes twelve fucking years to get the you know to get right. you through from A to B because it's like you're not motivated on your own to sit mm-hmm. there and just sponge it up. Mm-hmm. But when you're in an environment where it's playful and where you're there because you want to be, that's where you're gonna learn the fastest. Kids yeah. pick that shit up so quick. Yeah, and if you repress that curiosity. Eventually, it's going to surface. It's it's definitely going to come back at some point, you know, and and you're going to have to search into it and and uh, you know really discuss in order to discover what you're passionate about. Yeah. And in order to actually take that somewhere, I mean, discovering it's one thing, and then taking it somewhere is a completely different ball game. That's a whole other task in itself. Totally. But I would, I unfortunately, sadly. A lot of people like they don't ever they don't ever let it out so i mean it it sucks to say this but like there's how many people just die as you know kids who like their inner child was just silenced right yeah and and they sold insurance for 50 years and then they retired and you know whatever like they just went through the motions whatever, whatever those motions look like, everyone's different, but I'm saying like they went through the motions and they settled and they just did what was socially acceptable and, you know, maybe agreeable. You drive the nice, a nice car, you have a nice house, you know, you, you went through the motions, you did the things that are agreeable to society Mm -hmm. and you, but you never like, it was like Joseph Campbell on the hero's journey. Like you never really crossed over the threshold into the unknown, into the wilderness, into the chaos, into the into the the in the terra incognita the uncharted shit you mm-hmm. know what i mean you just went through the charted shit that's all you <laughs> fucking did like you went through the you went from k to 12 and then maybe some bachelor's degree and maybe grad school and then into the work field the workplace right and that's like very charted so what do you think how's a way that you could change that so i think people need um well, I think it's already there. Like I, th- I think the the curiosity, the intuition, the passion, the vocation, all the things that people are searching for, um, the meaning, all that shit, it's there already. It's just under the surface. Like mm-hmm. you just have to allow it to come to the surface. So that's why we built the Float Center. Right. Like that's seriously why. I mean, mm-hmm. it's heal, discover, transform. That's the mantra, right? Right. And. If, if you're in a place, when I say heal, like if you're not curious, if you're not passionate, if you're, if you're not stoked about life, well, that's probably because you got some healing to do. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? But there's a version of you that is stoked. You see what I mean? And right. so it's like reconnecting to the, or allowing those, those wounds to heal, um, whether it just be physical, chronic pain, stress, like we're talking about how many business owners are just like losing their hair right now and like <laughs> trying <know>. to, yeah, <laughs> trying to just like survive this pandemic. Yeah. Dude, like 4,000 businesses in New York City are closed. Oh, I know. Yeah, really, when I started floating um, and just taking that time, taking that time for myself to just, to try not to think, 
be honest. I just, I didn't want to think about anything. And when I first started floating, it was like all these thoughts just running through, running through, almost couldn't, couldn't get relaxed for at least the first 30 minutes. Um, but then you, once you finally do, once you finally do slow those thoughts down, um, and, and you can actually sit back and think and strategize and, and play out what's going to happen next a little better, yeah. you know, and more importantly, decide what you want to happen next and how you right. want it to play out. Like feel like you're from the, the cockpit or the driver's seat. Like, yeah, you're like the, you're like the architect of the, of your own reality. Exactly. You know, you're like the fucking, you're the guy in charge. Now you're taking the reins Yeah. and you, and it, it's kind of hard to put it into words because it, it's more than like, it's more than just conceptualizing that it's knowing it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like coming from a centered place, like not from up in your head, but being in a different sort of uh, side to consciousness, I guess, where you realize the interconnectedness of everything and how this is all just a, a beautiful game for you. Right. <laughs> and yeah. so it's like, okay, well, fuck yeah. What do we want to do next? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder where my mindset would be right now had I never gotten into meditation and slowing things down. Um, I mean, I'm the kid that was 15 years old, accepts a job, older brother, yeah. offers me a job and I'm like, hell yeah, I want to go make some money. Yeah. So over the summer, I'm, I'm hauling toolboxes around you know, for yeah, my yeah. journeyman, um, doing whatever I can to earn money. And then it kind of just, you know, I kind of got a knack for it and years go by and you just continue, continue. And I went to school because through school you get raises and it's that growth, right? You mean you, plumbing school, right? Through plumbing school. Yeah. Yeah. A four year apprenticeship program to get your journeyman's license. So I hopped into that, got my journeyman's license and then, um, kind of just immediately what's next, you know, the yeah. next step was to start a company Yeah, and I was fortunate and able to do that. And so hopping on that and then it's just like, go, go, go after that. And so I, it was really, really nice to step back out of that and just look at it almost from a bird's eye view. So when was that? When is the first time you saw it from a bird's eye view? And it doesn't um, have to be floating. It can be any, any, like the first time you felt like you had a bird's eye view. Because I know like what you're talking about, like you've all of a sudden 10 years have gone by and you were yeah. 15 and now you're 25 or whatever. No, it was know? probably only two years ago and I'm, I'm 28. So yeah, about 26 is when I finally was able to, to sit back and look at it. And that was, uh, about a year and a half after I started my own business. Mm -hmm. So that was actually really, really nice to be able to do that. And, and I think it's helped me tremendously since then, you know, what, so what would you say it helped with and how did you get to the place of bird's eye view? Like what gave you the perspective? Slowing down, Slow, getting, getting myself out of, of, uh, so in other words, to make rent, to make revenue, you work, right? Yeah, sure. So when I, it's, it's just basic business skill, you know, you, you can pull out of it and you say, okay, this revenue has to happen without me and I have to find a way to make that happen. And so once you, once you can kind of create that and then it just gives you more time to work on the business, on yourself. Right. So I think more importantly than, yeah, yeah. Instead of in the business, more importantly, working on yourself. Right. Finding, that's why, that's where, that's where the fucking key is that, right. that real high performers understand. Yeah. Right. So you understand like somebody like Tom Brady or Steph Curry, like, 
or LeBron James or whatever. Like these guys are at the top of their game. And mm-hmm. so they understand everything they do for themselves is giving them a little edge. It's giving them like a little extra. Yeah. And they have to, to be at that high of a level, you have to constantly be, you know, focusing on you and making sure you're the healthiest version and the most yeah. empowered version of yourself. Yeah. You can strategize business all day long, but ultimately the questions I started asking myself was how am I treating my employees? Uh-huh. You know, how am I treating the people that are making this shit happen for me? Right. Really? That, that's know? what they're doing. It is. Yeah. There's know? no business without employees. Right. And so and you, you've, you've, these are people you have to take care of them and they have to feel appreciated and totally. they have to be appreciated more, you know, exactly. more than just feeling it. Yeah, exactly. And then it kind of, it trickles in everything. Like, you know, how am I in my relationship with, with my friends? You know, how am I in my, uh, romantic relationship? You know, so you know, once those, once those thoughts started popping up, <laughs> which it sucks, it was so late in my life, but that's really when, when the good changes started to happen, you know? Yeah. So it's like, as soon as it's kind of counterintuitive, cause by slowing down, by maybe spending less hours on the business mm-hmm. by at first that might seem like neglecting your business, but, but no longer neglecting yourself yeah. and by putting more uh, energy into you and uh, giving attention to, you know, you when you need it, yeah. that's actually what's going to have the biggest impact on your business right? and make the business and it's flourish. it's actually extremely difficult to, uh, when there's so much shit that you know needs to be done and it's Wednesday and you're, you know, middle of the week, busy as can be and you, and you decide, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to work today. I'm going to start my morning by writing down some ideas yeah or you know just working on myself working on the bird's eye view thing yeah you know and uh i think that's when i think that's when business starts to actually get fun yeah so i felt like just uh, i've got such a short stint at this Mm -hmm. as far as um business owner goes right but as far as employee i've been around it <laughs> i know i've been as far as an employee goes i definitely experienced it a lot like with um with when i was in mortgages like what you were talking about uh employees need to feel appreciated yeah and they need to feel some gratitude because they're giving they're not they're not just giving you know it's it's more than just labor it's like fucking years of your life yeah it's like you could be doing anything you fucking want on earth like, and you're doing this. So it's right. pretty cool that you're giving the, your time to my company. Like, that's right. awesome. Yeah. Our team or whatever. Right. And so one of the major key factors of why I, um, I decided to, to quit my job as a loan officer doing mortgages. Yeah. It wasn't because of the money. <laughs> right. The money was actually the reason I kept it for so Cut long like, in the first place. Cause I would, I, I, honestly, I'd say the money's like golden shackles. It kept me chained there. Yeah. Um, cause it was too, too much comfort to walk away from. But the reason I, I probably in hindsight decided to leave was because there wasn't like this feeling of accomplishment. There wasn't like this feeling of doing something that mattered. And partly, I mean, probably mostly because I didn't feel gratitude coming from, my employer. Yeah. I, I never got a thank you. I never got like a good job. Like you're killing it, you know, like that type of stuff. Like I just didn't feel like I was part of something bigger than just a paycheck. Exactly. And so if <laughs> most people, if the paycheck's big enough, I mean, it's hard for people to walk away, even if they're going through those conditions, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of people who are 
who are not being appreciated and who who are in soul crushing positions, but they're trained they're chained there because of six figures or seven figures or whatever, right? Right. And um, that's just that's just modern day slavery in my opinion, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because because it's just it's it's the same thing. Like you're not you're not fulfilled. You're not doing it because you really are stoked to. Mm-hmm. You're doing it because of other other factors and money could be considered modern day chains Mm -hmm. you know it's i mean we all have to operate in this environment that requires money so we can use it as leverage over people it's well yeah to a certain extent it's almost it's almost like i mean i don't i don't have any kids but it's like having a child you can't you can't just just buy your children these awesome christmas presents and birthday presents and then not not be there as a dad you know what i mean right like you have to make a constant emotional effort yeah and (laughs) i feel that way with my employees even though they're full-grown men yeah i literally you 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 have to make them feel loved and appreciated constantly yeah at least i do you know I, i make a point to yeah and um you know i think it i i think it makes a better environment to work in yeah and, and it, if we're going to, if we have to participate in this game and be caught up in all this racket of chasing the money, chasing the work, all that, kind of, we yeah. might as well be trying to enjoy each other and enjoy our time doing yeah. it. Right. It, it changes it from you do this for me because I sign your paychecks to let's do this together and let's make money together and let's create a, let's create something together. And, and you can, you know, there, you can be in that lasting, you know, it can, it can definitely as an employee, you can grow with that. Yeah, totally. Um, and even if it's not permanent, like nothing's wrong with um, growing in a job. It's and then only once, going you, to help once you, you can't grow anymore, yeah. then you know you you leave. Like you you go grow. Yeah. Like you outgrew your your pond, and it's time to time to move on. Which like, is a beautiful thing. I think so too. Yeah. Like there is no reason to hold yourself back because you're growing for somebody else. Right. You you literally will grow out of that and explode into something else. Yeah. It is very worth it to, to, uh, I mean, if it comes naturally, it's got to come naturally. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's something about human beings where we're never really fully just satisfied with what we have. Yeah. Right. And contentment, like it's hard to find. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, like one thing about yoga and, and like Buddhism and, and, and Eastern philosophy, I absolutely love or stoicism. Stoicism is incredible. Like, um, I read like, uh, Ryan holiday a lot, daily stoic and obstacles, the way ego is the enemy, like these books of stoicism, which are really amazing. Uh And one of the concepts that I'm going over right now is acceptance or amor fati in Latin. Mm -hmm. And it's like this idea of like contentment being, like, first of all, being satisfied with what you have and not being like greedy and, and running after all of the things you don't have. Right. Yeah. And also trying to avert all of the <clears throat> uncomfortable things in your life as well. But instead, accepting what is. Yeah. Just as it is and accepting it how it is. Right. Um, that's to me, uh, because we're bad at that in general, humans, it forces us to constantly be um, seeking something more. Yeah. You know, and so we're unsatisfied after like you get the new shiny wheels or whatever. Right. And then it doesn't feel the same to go hop in your vehicle after you've had it for a month. It's all dusty. Yeah. Well, I mean, and (laughs) even if it's clean, like it is still not quite the same as that first time you drove. it. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It wears off pretty quick. That's almost something that I've, 
I've had to firsthand experience, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not satisfied with someone telling me that. Yeah. You know, figure you, it out you, yourself. You could tell me, you could be driving around a Ferrari and say, you know, Mike, it, after a couple of weeks, it's not that, it's not all that it looks like, you know, yeah. I would still go try to buy one <laughs> and experience it for myself. Right. I was just, I don't know. It's the way that I am, but, but it is true. Um, it's not, it's not all that it cracks up to be, I guess. Yeah. Um, not, not saying I've experienced all this shiny shit, but it's pretty obvious. I think I got I think both of us have had enough of a taste of it to, right. That's to have a good sample size. Uh Like you don't need fucking Jeff Bezos money to get the message. I really don't think you do. Like you, you just need enough to have a little bit of freedom to be able to go do the things you want to do. And then anything beyond that, it's just like, Oh, I, I could spend my whole life. Just like I could just exchange the rest of my precious years seeking that. Yeah. But it's not going to change anything because it's not going to give me contentment. Mm-hmm. You know, like what happens when you get the bigger number that you're seeking? Uh, well, it's not contentment. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like you're just magically happy with that. Once you get that hundred grand or whatever it is that you think you have to have in your bank to be happy. Yeah. As soon as you hit that number, the number changes. Right. Or it the might, it might knock change. off a little bit of stress, but you're most likely going to, to keep going for what whatever I'm, reason. What I mean is once you reach past a certain point, if you're in poverty, if you're really strapped, some money will change your life. Totally. Totally. And But once you get those base needs met, money can't fill up the higher needs, right? So if mm-hmm. this, this hierarchy, Maslow's hierarchy of, of needs is pyramid. Yeah. And at the bottom is food, shelter, clothing, right? Like we, if you don't have money to get those things, life is fucking brutal. Extremely. And it's extremely stressful. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, so you do need however much money per year, 40, 70 grand, whatever it is, like... The studies, I think, show that after about 70, it really starts to taper off fast. Like the amount of money versus how much happiness it brings right. starts to flatten the curve and you don't really start to experience any change after 100 grand. Uh-huh. So it's like, why are, you, why are we all trying to seek like lifestyles where we're making a million dollars a year or whatever yeah. when it's not going to add 10 times more happiness yeah. than 100 grand a year or than 70 grand a year or whatever? Mm-hmm. And even the 70, like... I feel like you can be content with less for sure. Like I've definitely right. been living off of less yeah. <laughs> lately. I think it's just a big illusion of financial freedom. I mean, you can probably, you can ask almost anybody like, what, what do you do this for? And, and the answer is usually just to be, to live the way that I want and not have to worry about money. Yeah. But it's, so, uh, this is the problem with most goals is they're so abstract and they're, they're just so vague, right? Like, we, we have these, it's, it's kind of crazy. You spend, you know, all this, these years in education and mm-hmm. then in the workforce, right? And all of it is going towards what? Like, like you're going to, you got to get something, you got to get there. Like mm-hmm. you're getting towards something. You're going to get that, that promotion or you're going to get that, uh, raise or you're, whatever it is. Like you're going to get that, the title or the, the car or the, yeah. Uh, the, the, the house in Malibu, what, whatever it is, like you're going to get the thing mm-hmm. that's going to be okay. Achievement, success, status, like the thing we're all shooting for. And it's always out in front. It's like a carrot dangling out in front of us. Yeah. And so if you can't be content with now in the present, you'll never be content. Right. Nothing in the future will change that. Like it, it, it's also floating fleeting. will change that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because floating puts you in the present. Right. All floating does is it takes away all of the other shit. Right. And you say, okay, what do I actually need 
you know, what do I actually need physically to, to, uh, I mean, to be a hap- happy emotionally, really, really, you find out you don't need much, right? It's all a mindset, you right? Know? At least, at least a good portion of it. Unless nothing tragic has happened to you recently type, you know, yeah. to where you're, you're trying to get over something, but, but yeah, that, that's really what it was for me is it just kind of just stepping back and saying, what do I actually need? You know, I don't need all of these, these finish lines. Yeah. I just want to enjoy this experience. It's about the process. It's about the journey, right? Mm-hmm. And really floating and, you know, psychedelics and these other modalities, they can help you realize like the past and the future, they don't exist. Mm-hmm. All that you'll ever experience is now. Mm-hmm. That's all you're ever going to experience is now. Your memories of the past and your, you know, expectations of the future, all that shit is actually you experiencing that now. Yeah. So your anxiety about the future, your depression about the past, whatever it is, like those things are, they're being manifest in the moment now. Exactly. So you have, like once you realize that everything is now and you tune into now and you, you get, you, you stop trying to project yourself into the future or the past, Mm -hmm. then you can actually change your state now. Like you can change your circumstances and you can change your situation now right? and be content and accept now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, floating to me is a great tool for that because you're, you're stripping away all of the things like the, the distractions, the stimulation, the things that are keeping you plugged in yes. and that are keeping you thinking like Instagram is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like just, this quintessential from fucked your phone for an hour dude most people is incredible dude it's so weird it's yeah. so weird if if we were to have this conversation 10 years ago uh-huh. right i mean we'd be like we'd be like probably like we like what fucking we'd be 18 like, can we'd we be get this over with so we can go get hammered yeah, <laughs> we'd, be, yeah. <laughs> we'd be in a different place for sure um entirely different place. i'd probably be wearing long underwear for some fucking reason <laughs> But my point, my point is, it's like, if you had this conversation 10 years ago and you're like, dude, in the future, in the future, we're going to live in a society in just 10 years. Yeah. There'll be a day where nobody goes anywhere without a machine in their pocket that is constantly, that has a supercomputer and a bunch of algorithms working through it, pointed at your brain, trying to get you to constantly grab it and look at it constantly. Yeah. Like that's what their goal is. Mm-hmm. Their goal is to, is to get you back on, get your attention sucked back in, get that screen time up and up and up and fill up your attention span as much as possible because your attention span is part of the attention economy and they can sell your attention off to the highest bidder. Right. Right. And so <laughs> if I told you that everybody was under those conditions and in that state, you'd be like, this is fucking dystopian. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and that's the world we're in right now. I know. And, and I think it's going to be in like the next, I don't know, five, 10 years, we're going to see some serious, uh, probably pushback towards that. I think people are going to realize how, how it's derailing society. Yeah. I mean, we can see it's with just this started recently. Well, with this election, you can see how it's had an effect on our politics Yeah, just with the way people are stuck, on, sucked on social media. And then s- social media doesn't, things like YouTube they don't recommend something that's going to make you the most open-minded. Yeah. So, and most of the views are actually from recommended videos. So 70% of YouTube views come from watching recommended videos, Mm -hmm. meaning when your video ends, you click the next video in the sidebar or whatever it recommends, right? Which I typically do. 
Most people do. <laughs> Seven out of 10 people are doing that all the time. So my, my point is, is it's like you're watching what YouTube's feeding you. So mm-hmm. an algorithm, like a fucking AI, is, is recommending the next thing. And it's choosing that based on millions, like a million data points, like yeah. all these different data points. But it's, it's try, its incentive is to keep you on platform. So it's going to recommend the thing that's the most clickbaity, right. that's the most controversial, that's the most conspiratorial. That's the most politically polarizing. That's, you know, all those things. And so it's forcing us into these uh, echo chambers and it's forcing us into these like weird situations where now people are becoming more and more confused and disillusioned as to the true, like the real state of the world because they're living in, a, in an artificial reality, an echo reality, an echo chamber reality tunnel uh-huh. that's just been created by an AI. And because there's another million people in that little chamber online their their human tendency the the limbic system our our primal intuition is oh other people are saying this too so it's true look at these this million this video got a million views got a hundred thousand likes you know what i mean and it's talking about how covid's a scam or whatever so it must be true (laughs) must that's that's our human fucking intuition just being wrong. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's, it's easily hijacked. And so as a result of being stuck on these devices and being in the age of, of algorithms running Mm -hmm. the world, Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing this like crazy terraforming happening in our society. And the only fucking antidote that I can think of, like one of the most powerful antidotes is floating because it takes you away from all that noise or really any form of meditation. Yes, there's exactly the the thing is is there seems to be more of a I mean meditation's trending like massively and and I think a lot of people meditate now. But also camping is great. Yes. <laughs> oh that. hell yes. Anywhere yeah. you, you do not have phone service, sign me up. Yeah, totally. I'm all about it. Totally, 100% agree. Backpacking, get away from it all. Yeah. But even then, I mean, we don't have it's 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 unrealistic to take somebody in middle of the chaos and just easily be able to get them into the wilderness whenever oh, they yeah. need it's, it. Right? It's much more convenient to come and sit in a float tank for 60 minutes. Yeah. And even then camp- camping is, is a whole therapy in and of itself. Like yeah. time in nature is a whole therapy in and of itself and it recharges you in ways like you have to just experience. Right. Totally. But, um, but floating, it's almost like it's a hypercharged version of that in 60 minutes because by taking away light sound temperature and most importantly gravity the thing yeah. that we're always in that nobody even knows what it's like to be outside of right because yep. you've been in it your whole life so the second you get away from Pretty gravity cool feeling yeah i mean being weightless is the best it's like liberating right but the second you get away from all that shit it's it just it gives you like this new type of uh recovery rest recharging regeneration, all the re's, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) all the re's re's. and then, but it's like the yin to the yang of the world, right? Like we're in ultimate yang all the time. Our downtime is to watch Netflix and chill, which is still stimulation. Right. So to get true yin is almost impossible. Yeah. And not, not, not even for the mental benefits, the physical benefits for me is what really, really sold me on floating at first Mm -hmm. because I, I don't come from, I haven't done a lot of meditating, you know, until, until like up to, up till really is up until I started floating, 
to where I realized it was a powerful tool. So, so my first few floats, I was mainly just paying attention to my body, you know, right. and, and why I was stretching in these certain positions and it felt good, you know, like getting all this relief, um, in my lower back and things like that, which is really what got me to keep on floating. Yeah. It was the pain points that mm -hmm. initially get you in the tank, right? Yeah. And then, and then once you get a little, you know, once I got better at slowing those thoughts down and started working on my mental, um, I just realized, yeah, this is, this is awesome. I mean, this is just super nice. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that the first phase for most people is those pain points. You yeah. know, it's like, ah, oh, shit, I got anxiety. It's like, fuck. Yeah. Uh, I got to <laughs> deal with this anxiety somehow, you know, uh -huh. and you tell me it'll help. Okay. I'll try it. Right. Yep. Or I got this crippling back pain or, you know, there's people with some real shit, just you know, gotta breathe through it. Once you get in the tank, it's just a matter of breathing through it. Dude, fibromyalgia. Like there's, there's some real shit where people are just like constantly in pain. Yeah. Constantly. Like, yeah. Like, I can't say shit. Dude, we really don't even know. Like, I'm talking to Alan Matheson, you know, and, um, you know, talking to somebody who's been through the ringer, medically retired, disabled, dis disabled, you know, mm -hmm. post-traumatic stress, mm -hmm. all this metal in his body, burn victim, all the things. And he's telling me the only time he's never been in pain as an adult is when he's floating. It's really? the only time. And, and he's on enough, I mean, he was at one point on enough um, opiates to kill a couple people. Yeah. Just like straight yeah. up. And it gets to that point. Too, yeah. Because eventually it's not doing much for you. Yeah. And then he's got the double problem of like, okay, now I'm in pain and I'm, I got this incredible problem with opiates. Like mm -hmm. how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to manage that at the same time? Because the opiates can be a whole life wreck around their own. Yep. That people are experiencing. Yeah. So really, yeah. Any kind of substance can be anything that, that can help people. Like that's why I'm a huge fan of cannabis, right? Mm -hmm. Like anything that can help people instead of narcotics, instead of opiates. Like if we can right. give them something else, if we can give them some, some band-aid, some solution. And if that, and if he's taking the massive doses of, of morphine and methadone and he's not completely solving the problem, he's yeah. still in pain. No. It's so getting the fact you, that you can you come through that 12 hours of being awake, the fact that you can come and just sit in a body of lay in a body of water and have absolutely no addictive effects obviously it's just it's just laying in a body of water full of magnesium yeah <laughs> that's it like and we turn the lights off like that's it like the rest is up to you you like, know like there's no we're talking about the most natural way to heal possible it's just laying in water and uh, and floating and it's gonna have more pain relieving effects than massive doses of morphine once mm -hmm. your tolerance gets up you know what i mean like mm -hmm. like that shit just wasn't cutting it for him anymore yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't getting his pain points all the way down so my, my point is, is it's like if you've got the pain points if you're someone who's really dealing with the shit right now uh you're <laughs> i hate to be, it sounds arrogant but you're welcome because <laughs> <laughs> we just build a float center and honestly like it will help immediately with your acute and chronic pain it immediately. Will. Yeah. Well, and I will give you your money back if you absolutely, if you don't, if you don't feel the relief, like mm -hmm. for any reason you aren't satisfied after three floats, I'll give you all your money back. Just come to the front desk. Yeah. It, I say <laughs> after three floats because it, it takes a minute. We have tough outer shell. Yeah. We have a tough outer crust. I mean, 28 years of living in the world, you know, 60 yeah. years of living in the world. You're, you're crusty, man. Like you've got like this outer shell. 
how long did it take you to get to that that third float to where a couple you, years a couple years really yeah I, I went twice and then stopped really yeah I, it's funny brad brad told me about it he he listened to rogan way before i ever did found out about it i went and floated at this place by galleria mall or no galaxy theater in vegas right right by galaxy theater it was uh called go float yourself really this spot that's um, i swear you closed texted now. me after that Maybe. I said, man, I just tried these foot pots. They're fucking amazing. You got Dude, I liked it. That's the thing. That's what's so weird about it is I yeah. actually had a good experience. I liked it. I liked both my floats. I just didn't, it didn't solidify into like, it didn't open up my, my mind in a way where I was like, this is something cr- like, this is a portal. Like this is something yeah. that is going to change the world. It's going to change my life. You know? Yeah. I didn't have that realization until, uh, probably two years later. Yeah. And then I went and tried it on my own because I later on got into Rogan yeah. the podcast and um, he wouldn't shut up about edibles and float tanks and edibles like, and float tanks and edibles and float it. tanks. So I'm like, fuck it. I'll, I'll go try this out. Uh-huh. So uh, that experience, January of 2018, I remember it because that is when it really shifted, changed my life big time. Yeah. And I don't know. Um, I don't know how much longer it was after that before you got me to come down though. Maybe a month. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure I got you guys down there. I'm pretty sure I got you down there pretty quickly. Maybe it was EDC or something. Yeah. It was around that time. That would have been like Uh, May, but that was 2017. Wasn't it? Mm, No, we did. Our first EDC was May 27 June or May or something like that. 2017. But, but it would have been, after January of 2018 that I had you come down to try floating. Yeah, they came down for something. I may have come down just to try floating. <laughs> or you guys were going to California yeah, or something, something. stopped by. But what was what was kind of nice for me is um, just, just to have you basically say, hey, you know, you got to give this a chance to give it a chance. Yeah. This is just like going to the gym. You can't go once and get great results. You've got... Some people do, though. That's try. what's weird. Like, I've, I've talked... We've been open, like, almost three weeks... Is today Saturday? Yeah. So three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks. Three weeks. So um, we opened on Halloween. So yeah, mm-hmm. three weeks ago. And I've had several people stoked after one float. Really? Yeah. So I, it happens I would love for to sure. Talk to those people that, yeah. For me, for me, it was almost like I got to a point after, you know, 55 minutes in, I'm finally to this point where I'm just fully relaxed. My breathing's nice and slow. And. I start to, 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 you know, pitch black and I start to see this, this blue light that, um, and I, you probably know why that happens, but <laughs> it, I think it does happen. I've heard it happen to a lot of people to where you kind of just see, like you can see colors with your eyes closed, you know? Uh-huh. And for me, I was trying to go through that color. I was trying to, to go into it and explore what was behind it. Uh-huh. And it took a lot of time, like, you know, trying for like 10 minutes, just slowing my thoughts improving meditation and then as soon as I got to a point where I felt like it was I was I was going into something deeper you know the jets kick on yeah come on that's That's, probably a coincidence to that yeah maybe maybe it's something that I've told myself was was going to happen I don't know but it did it did leave me intrigued enough to to keep floating yeah I think that's pretty common is towards the end of your first float you really start to get closer to the to the zone yeah where um, John Lilly calls it, he's the inventor of the float tank. He called it um, center point awareness or 
zero point, sorry, zero point awareness. Basically this place of like total neutral, Uh like total, just like in your center, totally neutral. You're not craving anything. You're not averting anything. You're, you know, so you're not going towards or away from anything. You're just there being in the exact moment and observing everything that's happening. And, um, which is a fantastic place to be, dude. It's the best. <laughs> That's actually that. where like, I call it the, the the zone. It's it's what floating is all about. Yeah. Because if you can get to that place, that's where things like breakthroughs take place. You know. Yeah. And um, that's where perspective is shifted, and yeah. where you become the creator. You become the architect of your reality, the author of your own story. You know. Exactly. Like the because. It's in, it's in that place where there's none of the other cultural conditioning and the programs and the fucking, all of the, all of the shit that's led up to this point that's got a grip on you. It's, you're free from it. Yeah. You're separate from it for a minute. And so in that state of being totally free and, and, uh, sovereign, you know, yeah. like that's where you, you can, you can operate from that space mm-hmm. and you can cultivate a connection to that space. Like, and you can get to that space easier and easier. Yeah. And so that's the, that's really what floating as far as a practice is all about. And, and so we talked about the pain points and healing, right? Obviously that's going to be phase one for most people. Um, because we, unfortunately our society creates the circumstances that create trauma and right. injury and chronic pain and uh-huh. <laughs> chronic disease and autoimmune problems and all that because forever, you know, the stimulation, our attention spans are gone. All those things, that's phase one discovery is phase two yeah because discovery is like whoa i just tapped into something here discovery is like holy shit there's this whole other space to be in phase three metamorphosis (laughs) it's transformation so it's like once you once you um discover these these little gifts that you have and you discover like the curiosity that you'd lost or the intuition that you were disconnected from or the goals that you had as a kid or whatever it was, right? Yeah. You discover that central zero point awareness. You discover being in the zone, being it, being, being in your true authentic self, right? Like coming back to zero, coming back to grounded. And, um, from there, it's like the process of metamorphosis happens automatically. Yeah. Like it's, it's just from there, it's like a domino effect, you know? Right. And it just starts to cascade into your life. And so right. to me, the transformation just happens as a byproduct from, from being in the, in the tank. I mean, that's, what's so great about it is it's not like we have to do anything other than create a good environment for you to float in. Right. Yeah. Like it's all you, you're the magic. Like the magic comes from within you. And I, I kind of wish I would have had, uh, I, I would have known, I don't even know how, how uh, big floating was 10 years ago, but it would have been all. really nice. I, I shouldn't I say 18. at all, but it was, it was way less, way less. Yeah. yeah. And, and especially for me, just, just being in Salt Lake, I don't think there was any, any float centers around there. There might've been like one or I don't know. I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I wasn't in tuned into it back then, but, but it would have helped a lot. I, I think just being at that age being, you know, 18, 19, 20, um, I think it's extremely important that you sit back and, you know, kind of tune into yourself yeah, and, and actually think about what you want. Not, oh, yeah. not just what I have to do to get the next paycheck. Yeah. Actually think about what, what you want because success is never going to come without passion. Dude, when we were, Kyle just pulled up and jumped in. Oh yeah. That's his car. Nice. And, uh, 
fucking proud of that kid. Like that's exactly what he's doing right now. Mm-hmm. And he's 21. Awesome. Do you know yeah, what I mean? That's awesome. And he, I mean, he got into it when he was 20. Sort mm-hmm. of funny. But my point is, that's is, a great age to get into it. It's a great age to to get to be present. But he's he's it's it's like just the the seeker, you know? Like yeah, the, he's a seeker. Like yeah, it's like you the the bullshit generic kind of answers aren't good enough yeah and so for people like that who were seeking something else don't seek without seek within yeah that's what i'm saying like yeah that's what discovery means discover what's within and see and and that's what true north is all about it's like the the metaphor of of the north star as the guiding system right like the navigational the the point that you're going to navigate off of yeah I think, I think at that age too, for me, I, you, you probably remember the same thing. I felt a lot of pressure from people around me. Like, Oh yeah. When it came to what I was going to quote unquote do for the rest of my life, you know, dude, it's not just that. I mean, well, the real pressure, I mean, I think what you're talking about has less to do with career and more to do with religion. Yeah. Probably at that time. And on that note, I'm going to grab the weed pen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a leak then. All right, I gotta, I gotta warn the listeners, if there are any. <laughs> if I, if I hit this pen, I'm either going to get really chatty or really quiet. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, well see what happens. if you get really quiet, I'll probably. I've already re- been. Pretty I'll probably quiet. be really chatty. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. That's my problem in particular. Is uh, that about sums up our conversations? <laughs> typically, <laughs> we we have a pretty balanced conversation, and then we smoke weed, and then I just won't shut the fuck up. Is that our, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, and, and I just continue with the yep, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I want this to be uh, I want to stay balanced. All right. So I'm gonna if I start if I if I go on a rant, a rant then you, you when you step go on a in. Rant. All right, I get it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm on defense now. <laughs> Um, no. So like we were talking about religion, I think we just barely touched on it and how, um, how that's the biggest pressure when you're 18, 20, like, well, for, for us, because we grew up in Utah. Yeah. So really we, well, we, it was probably more pressure because we grew up in like fundamentalist Utah. Yeah. Which is completely honest. I, I never, I don't recall like always feeling a lot of pressure. It wasn't really until after I sort of broke away from that life mm-hmm. where I realized how much it was weighing on me. Oh, you know, I see. And, and how much all of those those people that I looked up to my whole childhood were actually really weighing on me in a way, you know. Totally. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. Like, I feel, I feel, for me, it was probably a little bit of both. So. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, definitely found things that I was that had, I had buried that I didn't really know about that, you know, mm-hmm. really kind of shit that I was carrying from growing up in patriarchal fundamentalist Mormon America. Yeah. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's uh and, and it's not like I'm like a victim. I'm not saying I'm a victim for having been there. I'm yeah. just, I'm just saying like, that's what you, you acquire some things along the way yeah. of growing up in that environment for sure. But what I was saying is like actual pressure of, <clears throat> of uh, the individuals, the people that I 
physically in contact with all the time you grew yeah. up with you know my you parents look up my, to them a lot your you know parents older siblings yeah even uh, siblings. like you know <laughs> elders in the community yeah all of your your cousins your uncles you know i say cuz I, I say like in particular men because that's where a lot of the pressure where well I, I, I shouldn't say in particular I, I say in particular men as far as like the over the pulpit pressure Right, yeah. like the the type of pressure you get um, verbally, but then you get a different kind of pressure from women. Yeah, uh, because obviously you want to get married, right? Yeah, like and you're when you when you're that age, that's all you're fucking thinking about, dude. No, yeah, like that, that's what that was that, it for me. That's what's so weird is it's like I don't even. It's so hard to put myself back in that mindset because now I'm in the opposite mindset. Like now it's like uh, um, I find myself trying to avoid the marriage conversation. Yeah, right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Me and my girlfriend. But it's not because I'm not. But it's not because I'm not fucking in love either. Like I absolutely love, love Lily too. It's it's just back back then. To me, being with somebody, having sex with somebody, meant marrying somebody. It did. Yeah. That's all you could. That's all it meant. Yeah. It's it's if you want. Well, I guess we weren't technically supposed. Really, dating wasn't exactly. Um, I mean, it's frowned upon. Yeah, for me. Well, but, and even if it, even if sex was absolutely frowned upon, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like even if you dated or courted a girl, yeah, you're supposed to keep it PG, right? And then get married. Yeah, marriage is definitely the step in between intercourse. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not the Which step. It's the giant goddamn metal chastity belt. Yeah, it, you know? it makes no sense to me. But yeah, for me, I, I I played the game for a long time. You know. And, and being, being, uh, having that mindset and like jumping into marriage too quickly, cause I got married when I was 19. Yeah. Um, looking back on it, I mean, it didn't last very long. I was young and dumb. Right. So, so the way I look, look at it now is when I look back on it, I'm just like, shit, jumping into it that fast was horrible for, for both parties. Right. Right. You, um, I have, I've done so much growing and so much evolving since then, just personally, just in the way that I treated the person I was in a relationship with, yeah. you know, and, and being able to look back on that now and be like, man, I was such a dick. Like I just was so arrogant. I would be, uh, I, you know, I would not want to live with myself Right, right. in the, in that, in those days, you know? So I don't know. I think it was probably a really necessary step for me to go through mm -hmm. to transition into uh, being a, a, an adult or, or just a respectful friend, and, you know? And yeah, totally. And I think that's, those people are super important. Yeah. That first, that relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you have to I, go. Through I went it. through one too, for sure. Yeah. It's actually, uh, kind of, kind of random because she texted me after DeLoss died. And oh, really? Yeah. And it, and it, I was grateful for that, but I'm just saying like, I hadn't hurt like even yeah like it's just it's been a while right do you know what i mean right and but it's, it was another life it totally different fucking life mm -hmm. it's a different me so when you like tap into it i don't know i've i've just been so so busy i mean obviously life goes by and so like you're saying just probably just getting that text and looking at it and then uh, a portion of your brain is going to jump back to those times dude it's just, it, it's just happening situations so you're in and things you know yeah, what's well, happening because of the loss too? Like, yeah, uh, definitely. Mm -hmm. Like I've just been thinking about it a lot. Yeah, like and 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 it's 
that but that was a little different than the time we were talking about as far as 1820 like you know being yeah. being back in that phase this was the phase that prece- like that was after after that so i went through like the the being stuck in like the marriage dilemma with um you know long underwear on or whatever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like i just that's just the easiest way for me to like revert back to it i never <laughs> to, like, i never got hit with the long underwear thing Oh man, it was never a thing for me, nice. uh, for my siblings either. I don't think, maybe maybe some of them. <laughs> um, I, I it, it's not the reason I even bring it up is because it's such a obvious uh, trigger. Yeah, it's an obvious trigger. Yeah. So people get triggered by that, for sure. Pe- people meaning, well, anybody who's wearing it right <laughs> <No>. now, <laughs> anybody who's wearing long underwear right now is triggered as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, especially in St. George. Good. Dude, like, I mean, and yeah, and so St. George has a different sort of, uh, has a different sort of version of that than what I'm talking about. Like, I just mean the heat. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. But I'm saying like their their underwear is a little different, I think. But they still have magic underwear for sure. Different types of magic underwear. I mean, you got to have different kinds, right? Like, if we're gonna create some magic underwear, it's not gonna all just be the same generic bullshit. Like, you're gonna have different different strains of underwear but i'm saying like the fact that we should make some magic hemp underwear (laughs) (laughs) we can advertise all the benefits (laughs) oh it'd be amazing it's like one of the benefits one of the benefits is it protects you from the lamanites when they come back to (laughs) you know the end times or whatever when the when the natives come to stab you with their spears and you're you know what all those stories are looking pretty good right now (laughs) (laughs) like point me to the seamstress i need some underwear <laughs> yeah. yeah it but the pressure of being in that um phase of my life of like you know trying to become a, like coming to a man uh-huh. and making your own decisions and deciding if you want to go with the herd or not yeah. um and eventually ended up being not uh in that circumstance but that pressure almost that almost wasn't the case yeah. I could have definitely just been there. Right. You'd still be there. Yeah. And honestly, the, there is the wrong word because the location there, I have no problem with being there. Right. Um, it's the, it's the, well, it's the wavelength. It's the, it's the bubble that you're in. Yeah. But a decade's gone by. You can think about everywhere you've been since then, you know, uh, everything you've learned, all the ways you've grown. And you obviously, are happy with life right now. Seems That's like, like crack a press. Seems, seems like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I mean, I'm really enjoying this right press. Now. And, yeah, and, the, and it's a beautiful and, day. Right. But when I, it's impossible to, to not be stoked about the choices that you've made if you're happy with life currently. Yeah. Um, cause, cause it got you to here, right? Is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And here, um, I just feel a lot more open, a lot more uh, freedom, freedom of thought, freedom of speech, yes, freedom of action, and um, it's a beautiful thing to just not feel judged by anybody. Yeah, totally. You know? And or if there is judgment, to not give a fuck. Oh yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like judgment is a weird one. If if you're if you're confident in the way you're living, if if honestly if. In my opinion, if you if you let um, if you let someone judge, if you let that bother you, 
that's a reflection on yourself. It's something yeah. that you need to work on because you're not confident with the way that you are, with the way you are, or, or with the, the whatever they're judging you on. Maybe you're not fully comfortable with that part of yourself. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I've definitely seen that in myself for sure. Yeah. Where your own uh, judginess is, you know, making you call someone else out. Yeah. Yeah. But, but if you can hone into that and understand that it's actually you, it's a beautiful tool. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because when that feeling comes up, you say, oh, shit, I need to, maybe I should write this down. Maybe I should put some effort into this. Lean into it a little bit. Yeah, reach out, reach out to the person that you're judging. Yeah, that too. You judge people? Fuck yeah. <laughs> as human as they come, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like, uh, I feel like our, you know, the ego steps in if you're, you know, always, it just always does. Yeah. Whether, you know, and you can choose to like either be aware of it or not. Yeah. So if you're aware of your ego stepping in, then you can work with it. Yeah. And then you can like just sort of, sort of slowly evolve your behavior and also evolve your relationships. So that's, no, that's really what's going to happen. Exactly. Because as you become more aware of your ego and you slowly begin to get a better, more holistic relationship to your ego, right? Uh, instead of having like this weird self deprecating element that a lot of egos have right now, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where, um, I don't know. We, our egos have to go through a lot. So they're, they're dealing with, uh, a lot of fucking damage, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> just damage. Like you can, you can change your situation. You can change your life day to day, but the experiences you go through, I mean, a lot of that's going to stick around. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and the, and the saying goes, the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. So, or the book goes, um, if the body keeps the score, then the float tank is a scoreboard. Okay. So, so you're, you're, you're saying that's a way to what, uh, find out what those scores are or a way to erase them, um, or a way to work through them. uh, Well, it's just the scoreboard. So if you, it's going to show you the score, it's going to show you what's going on, like what's happened in the past to get to this point, the conscience. Yeah. So if it's the fourth quarter, the score is what happened in quarters one, two, and three. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a score, like your record of the past, right? Yeah. And that is what your body is. It's a fucking record of the past. Mm-hmm. What's a knee injury? What's well, a record of the past? <laughs> when you were playing baseball and you twisted your fucking knee, idiot. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like I've done that a couple of times. Just dislocated the fuck out of my knee. Ugh. Just wearing skater shoes on the grass that was all wet like an idiot. No, thanks. While also being <laughs> unathletic and unflexible. <laughs> so it's like, it's a bad combination. Oh, <laughs> it's a bad combination. But yeah, like it's a, it's a score. Go sit in a yoga pose, man. It's the fucking score. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, everything is killing me right now. Yeah. You're like, maybe I should start unwinding some of this. Yeah. Like, and, and dude, I don't blame people. I've been there. And when it's the first day, that is so fucking daunting. It's the most daunting task. Mm-hmm. You try to like sit down in the most <clears throat> simple hero's pose and your feet are in so much pain and they're cramping that you can't do it for more than a few seconds. Yeah. And then if you use some cushions and some uh, props to assist yourself or whatever, you can take the pressure off your knees, but then your hip starts to cramp. So you're, 
you know, you still can't, you still can't hold it. <laughs> so over, over time, um, cause you've been doing yoga for quite a while. Just right? since the day after I did that, uh, float and edible zoo. Uh, oh, float. Okay, very first so it all started January, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. January 28th. So have you been able to, uh, work through a lot of those pains? They don't come up anymore. Like in your, in your ankle and your foot. Dude, I'm in a totally different okay. body. Yeah. Yeah. Like yoga is like the process of, of like transmuting that shit, hmm. like, uh, trans transfiguring it. Like just, I don't know the right word, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but, but changing the transforming it really. I mean, yeah. you go from somebody who's got like, like, I really want to get Emily. Um, I think her name's last name is Burrow or Burrow or something. Um, she's a yoga instructor here in town in St. George and she's okay. a rock climber, but she had a, an accident where she, uh, landed on some rocks when she's cliff jumping Ooh. and has like a bunch of hardware and, uh, reconstructed pelvis and stuff, uh-huh. but you'd never know. Dude, you watch her do yoga and it's like, holy shit, she's incredible. Like she's athletic. So because of yoga, got her back to that. Um, I, w- I think she did yoga prior to prior the injury to and she said the, so the doctors d- told her, uh, I don't want to mess this up, so I'm just going to get her on the podcast. But her doctors told her that her chances of like being normal again and mm-hmm. and even walking were really low. Yeah. And it, but it was it was her her recovery was in like she looks like back to normal. Wow. I mean, I'm sure it's not 100 percent normal because you've got hardware in your body, but like no, the fact still, that she awesome. the fact that she's living that life and it was just yoga. So that's like, I mean, I'm sure it was other things too, but like yoga is this huge instrumental part in that. Yeah. And so to me, yeah, you can totally transform your body um, and you can heal your body like totally. I, I don't see any reason why that should be not just assumed. Yeah. Like I don't see any, any evidence for why that shouldn't be our natural intuition and inclination. Yeah. I mean, like if you get a cut, your body just heals. I don't know if a lot of people look at yoga that way because I never used to. I used to look at yoga as just like another form of exercise. Right. right. Like I, I didn't look at it as, as you know, my body's tight in all these places and I actually should work on loosening them up and, and becoming more flexible and taking that pressure off. You know, I didn't actually look at it as a tool like that. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tool like that, but it's also a tool like, um, it's just like floating where it's a place where you can come back to center, Yeah, you know? And at first yoga you're, you're pretty far from center at first. I mean, in the sense that you're just like trying to handle the pain, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. you're just trying to stay in the room cause it's hot or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're at those early, early it's a mental stages. battle that you have to overcome. Yeah, for sure. Just a discipline to stay just there to get through your, your set. Yeah. You gotta club. have discipline to stay there for sure. Um, and let it develop, like let it, let the results pay off. Yeah. Um, results of your hard work like that's that's uh all you can do because it's so fucking daunting at first if for me at least it was yeah and with, with like a screw in my hip and all this lower back pain yeah um i mean that's that especially yeah the first the first that float i was telling you about dude that was one of this really scarier moments for me like it, what i mean by scarier is like inti- like it was an intimidating experience to go through like this really harsh, stark realization 
that there's fucking metal in your body, but like in a, in a way that you didn't ever really conceptualize before mm-hmm. because you, you had to sort of just avoid that to deal with the trauma of it. Yeah. But like, imagine just a drill and, uh, and a still screw. I don't want to. Yeah. And just <laughs> drilling it into imagine. someone's leg, like in someone's <laughs> hip, uh, screwing it through their bone. That's the doctor had a license to do this, by the way. Oh, and he did, he did his job wonderfully. Like there's nothing wrong with, with the surgeon. You see what I mean? Uh-huh. Like the surgeons, both the guy who put it in, the guy who put it, took it out, both, uh, as far as I know, did it, did what they were right. What they were supposed to do. Yeah. You know? So, so when did it occur to you when you wanted to get it removed? That same day. It just wasn't not in the sense that I really conceptualized the going to take it out, like get, get the surgery to take it out. But I immediately had the impulse. I need to get this out. Like immediately it was like, that shouldn't be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was, it was actually really, uh, oh, it felt, I felt, uh, it's kind of a weird word to use, but I felt kind of raped. I felt like violated. Like yeah. I felt like there's holy fuck. There's metal in here. Yeah. Why the fuck is it in me? You know what I mean? And it yeah. just fucked with me. And and that was, but I never had that experience before. And I carried the screw for 12 years. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was like I, it, the float combination. I realize it. 12 years, huh? Yeah. I mean, it was like 13 wow. when I got it in, something wow. like that. But, and it, so it's been removed for how long? Over a year? Two years now. Oh, two years. Mm-hmm. Halloween wow. was two years. So time goes by way too fast. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> It seems like it was around that time frame, actually, when we were talking about getting uh, True North going. Um, yeah. So, well, I had the surgery. So I came back from South America and to get the surgery. And then I, I spent two months kind of chilling mm-hmm. in Vegas, floating like three times a week. Mm-hmm. And I would pair it with yin yoga. Mm-hmm. So it was super badass. I got lucky. Like I got, I got a yoga studio in the same building as a float center. Wow. Layup. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. It's like, a, it's like, don't miss this. And across the street is a weed dispensary. Wow. So you, your excuses are everything, invalid. Everything you need right there. Vegas is like, your excuses are fucking invalid. Right. We'll give you everything you want. <laughs> I guess it's Vegas is trying to do. But anyways, I, um, yeah, I was able to, and, and they actually do some really awesome yin there. They did yin three times a week. And so I just lined my floats up to be right in front of yin. Mm-hmm. So I do either one hour or two and a half hours in the float tank before um, going to yin class. Nice. Yeah. So Ideally, that, that uh, improved your healing. Oh, it, it quite a bit. It changed everything. Like basically, what it did is it took something that never would have ever been approachable. Yeah. Like I never would have even thought, you know, yeah, this is in the realm of possibility, and I'm going to go into this pain and go into and just try to move this hip and see what happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I never. I never like even had the courage to approach it until floating. And because for two reasons, one is like floating relaxes your body and your muscles and all absorbing all the magnesium. It's, it's makes you a lot more limber and pliable and makes yoga just more feasible or a massage way more productive after a float. Yeah. Right. But in addition to that, you can get into that central that center point of consciousness that we're talking about. Yeah. You can get into this mindset of like where nothing can get in your fucking way. Nothing's going to get in your way. Yeah. This is you. This is your body. Like who's going to fix it if it's not you? Yeah. 
You see what I mean? You're the one operating. You are the one. This is uh, is your future at at stake. Do you want to be the healthy future or not? You see what I mean? So it's like that's that's the mindset you have to get into. It's the mindset of the warrior. It's an extremely hard conversation to have with yourself. Dude, you gotta go through you gotta go through a little fucking warrior kick you where do. you just get into your you just hype yourself up. Like yeah. and I know that's there's some ego in that, but who cares? Like you yeah. fucking gotta do what you gotta do to get through it. Yeah. You know? And that and you know, and then sticking with your decision um that you come to after that experience is is another challenge. Yeah. Yeah, like following through. Yeah. Yeah. Just just, just following through with it. But that's the other. Stuff. That's the other thing is is those those first yin classes were extremely uh, intense, right? Mm. But never once did I have the um, thought this is the wrong decision, you know. Like I never thought this was the wrong decision, and so you're just like this is what I got to do. I I just I'm knew it was just, yeah. I mean, it was like a strong intuition that this was the right. Like this was doing good. Yeah, and I just needed to let it keep happening. So. That was, it was more about getting out of my way than it was about like forcing myself, you know, to do anything. It was just getting out of my own way. Yeah. Because the more I allowed it, the better and better. And that's what yin's all about. Yin's all about surrendering and allowing. That's what body healing is all about. Getting yeah. out of its way. Stop putting, stop putting food in your body. Like uh, not food. Ser- but no, seriously, stop fast. Stop putting shit in your body. No, if you stop putting food, you, st- you heal. Yeah. Fasting. Like that's like the number one way to heal your body yeah. in a lot of, in, in, in some respects. As I sh- long as you're not working like a, you know, 12 hour shift. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously <laughs> I don't you recommend have to, it. you have to be in the right circumstances if you're going to do a long-term fast, but yeah, it for, for people, I, I shouldn't say it's like the cure for everything, but my point is, is not just for, for weight loss. If you want to do it intermittently and just have like a healthy body weight, right? Yeah. Humans, humans, it seems like that they're built like other mammals where they're, they're built for uh, gorging and, and famine. So they're they're built for like big, like you eat when you eat and then you fast when you fast. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you if you were to fast, um, if, if I were to fast for three days, what would you basically recommend that the ideal situation uh, to set up for yourself would be for those three days? So for like an extended fast? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Because you don't want to be doing f- anything super active. Yeah. But then if you don't do anything active at all, you get bored and in turn want to eat. Yeah. Honestly, I should. I haven't done an extended fast in a little while. I should do one. The last one I did was probably a few months ago. So it's probably I've, time for one. I've actually never fasted for for even twenty four hours. Oh really? Uh huh. It's a, uh, dude. That's like a whole deconditioning in and of itself. Yeah. Goes, everyone should do seven days. Well, okay, take that back. <laughs> there's Whoa. a lot of people. There's a lot of people Jump who shouldn't forward. do seven days right away. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like at some point in your life, you should experience some period of extended time yeah. without food, and it will decondition sort of like how you view f- food a little bit. And yeah. as this thing that you have to constantly consume, like how often do we compromise and eat something shitty because you're in a hurry? You know, or it's like this is the only thing available. So you yeah. just, you eat it like an airplane meal. You're just oh, going to eat it because it's available. And it's like, dude, why, why? Yeah. Like why that's, eat that's, trash if that's it's available? eating as a construction worker to a T right there. Dude, you're, to a T. You're always on the go, you know? Yep. And, there, and there's always so a what's quick, fast and what's available. option close. Yeah. Know? Fast, available, cheap. See, it's if, our ranking system. For me, I've kind of gotten to the point where if there's nothing good or healthy available, then I would rather not eat. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 you can 
really can, there's, I don't see any reason why there's most people wouldn't be flourishing in those circumstances. Yeah. Eat when you're, when you're at home. Yeah. So like, that's what I've been doing with the float center ever since we've been here a lot. Uh I, I just do the bulletproof coffee in the morning. Yeah. I usually don't eat until Lily. Sometimes she's awesome. She'll bring me food sometimes. But other than that, I'll just like eat when I get home. Yeah. I, I, I just can't, like, there's not enough places in St. George where it's like, oh, yeah, I'd feel amazing if I went and ate there. Well, it's like, not I'd just feel that. good with the actual food in my belly. Like, not, yeah. not about, like, not being a good experience, but I mean, um, the healthy food that I want to eat. Yeah, and especially when you're doing, when you're, you're here every day, you know, a month's going to go by, or even in the first, if, if you are buying lunches in your first week, you're going to have already tried all those places and you're not going to want to go there again the you know the following yeah. week like you have to sort of create a, a system that works better for your schedule <laughs> yeah it's it's changing your your lifestyle a little bit for sure but think about if we just this is what i don't understand like why couldn't we just make what's available healthy number one and then fast and cheap like those can be those can be the uh Second and third nice. thing, but honestly, fa- even fast and cheap feels like we're selling it short, mm-hmm. and we should just go slow and fucking worth it. And why do you have to be in a hurry? Exactly, <laughs> that's what I mean. We should just have higher quality experience instead. Yeah, and I typically I think don't... there's a giant opportunity right now, and uh-huh. for anybody in Utah in general, Southern Utah, a hundred thousand percent for sure. So if you're in St. George, why don't like why don't we see places to eat that are like more geared toward like everyone who's moving here, <laughs> like everyone from California who's probably got some money and they want to eat something healthy. Uh-huh. Why not? I want to have some options. Well, we just opened the float center. We can't open a restaurant. Yeah, I know <laughs> we we're, we're busy on other shit. Somebody take this one. Somebody please. No, that would be nice to have uh, more options and kind of just change the fast food industry would be sweet. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing was, Ideally, you'd get people rethinking fast food, and those companies seem like the best place, like as far as resources wise, to do that. Like uh-huh. somebody like McDonald's could change the world if they just changed what the fuck they were feeding people. Yeah, but then they would go out of business. Probably, <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe there's a transition where McDonald's turns into uh, a, he- a healthier version of itself. But their version of healthy is like now made with ninety nine percent real cheese. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? yeah. It's yeah, still I trash. <laughs> I see what you're saying, and it's and it's just putting a bunch of cheese in your body, <laughs> or or really burgers, right? Yeah. So it's fries, you know. And it's crazy how that supply chain's worked out to where it's gotten so fucking cheap. Yeah. So really, the issue shouldn't it really shouldn't land on McDonald's shoulders. <clears throat> It should, but I mean, we got to start somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, well, the people feeding people should be more conscious of what they're feeding people for mm-hmm. sure. And then the people who are on the other end of it, who are probably for the most part, pretty low income and it's hard to afford anything that's, you know, more expensive. Yeah. So like you're, you're eating on a diet or sorry, a budget, you're yeah. eating on a budget and, uh, you should be eating on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're eating on a, on a budget. So it's like. You're just dealing with your fucking circumstances. And we should be empowering those people to have better circumstances too. What do you do? 
because it's a vicious cycle. If you don't get your, if you don't get your health under you, like, and, and you get that like capacity back, mm-hmm. you're just kind of, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to other sort of, uh, things coming along like McDonald's. Oh, absolutely. Or cigarettes or whatever it is. Or, you can talk yourself into something. You're going to talk yourself into something else. Yeah. But like, even if you don't have the, the, what I'm saying is like McDonald's is a little different because you have these other vices too, like smoking and drinking and everything else. Right. Mm-hmm. But those, those types of things just get everybody. Right. And I, well, I think McDonald's gets everybody too. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking, talking well, about. McDonald's gets fucking everybody. Not me. Dude. It, I don't actually remember the last time I purchased anything. Well, from McDonald's well sure. Me neither. Fast food place. Yeah, it's been years, but my point is, is like we're we're still, but we did a, such a small. We did, <laughs> yeah, we did for a while. I went through that phase where I definitely drunk, smashed some hash browns. Like, oh yeah, thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Dude, one time, we were man. driving back from a party in Salt Lake, and my buddy uh, took a bite. He was hammered, and he took a bite out of a, a McDonald's hash brown. Well, he ate like he ate all the hash browns <laughs> while we were driving home. Okay. And one of the hash browns or one of the hash brown wrappers uh-huh. had a bite mark out of it. Oh shit. <laughs> no. And he just eaten the the wrapper. Oh man. Like that's what it's setting us up for. <laughs> I mean you're eating trash anyway. Yeah. You may as well eat the wrapper. Yeah, it sucks, dude. <laughs> how do you how do you get cuz McDonald's is like uh incredibly incredibly is doing incredibly well. Yeah. Tons of money, tons of capital could solve probably problems like global hunger if they yeah, put honestly. their mind to it. Yeah. That probably would be a but thing. What that about they, something McDonald's could really make a dent in that one? If you want to target somebody, let's target In N Out Burger. That place, I mean, 20, 30 cars in line any time of day from open to close. It is packed with people buying their burgers. Yeah. Backpack. And, and the thing is, is we're not calling that like a drug dealer. <laughs> right. but it's what it is, it is. <laughs> it's a fuck like they're just slinging the shit that's killing people heart disease is like the number one cause of, of dying yeah so like and i'm not saying i haven't ripped some in and out burgers it's fucking delicious oh yeah <laughs> especially in the middle of the night dude it's so fucking <laughs> delicious. It's the worst thing you could put in your body yeah exactly but still i mean it should it be that's the thing it, if people want the fucking in and out burger shouldn't they be able to get one I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've bought one. You know what I mean? So it's like uh, the freedom behind it to, to go and eat burgers, like, sure. Yeah. I just It's just it's just a weird, what has to exist in the world, the circumstances to create a fast food chain, like yeah, In-N-Out like, Burger. Why do hamburgers have to be the thing? Probably because of a business model like McDonald's. Yeah. Where they're mass producing them, make them as fast as they can. They're easy to make. They taste delicious. Yeah. So basically what happened with McDonald's was they're like the first hamburger shop where they actually created a franchise model. They created a systems in place mm-hmm. um, to plug and play anybody in to consistently make a viable product, mm-hmm. right? Where it's consistent every time. Have you seen the movie that they that made about McDonald's? I haven't watched like it founder yet. Founder or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's Not actually it's actually really it. good. Yeah, I would I would definitely be down to watch it. And they they um anyways, they just created a uh something that can be duplicated over and over and over yeah. 
to create the same effect. Yeah. And it, it was proven to be a successful model. Yeah. And then it just went everywhere. And now yeah. they own like more real estate than any, and like it's insane. Uh, yeah. I think we're uh, going to experience a lot more things like that in the next five, 10 years, you know, things that are, have uh, actually taken off recently that are going to be really huge in five, 10 years, even, even, even just social media has kind of been that way, you know? Yeah. So I, I was thinking about that quite a bit though, the whole McDonald's thing because of, of this, of the float center and mm-hmm. just thinking about business and it's like, well, is the move to create a franchise model? You know what I mean? Like that's what, that's what, um, seems to be the most profitable move. Yeah. If you're trying to, if you're trying to go big, like if you're trying to go big to the point where you just like, ev- you suck up every market, you yeah, know, with you your product franchise. Totally. Yeah. If, if that's your goal. But honestly, the way I look at, at true North float is even if it was a franchise, if it's, um, you know, structured the way that, that you want it to be originally and you kind of create that standard and, and your stores are still all the same, then you're kind of just reaching out to more people. Yeah. That's the other part of it that I think is if, so if you've got something that it's not like we're helping. spreading heart disease, <laughs> <laughs> you're, Good you're point. spreading something helpful. Right. I mean, I, I think a franchise would be a, a great idea. Yeah. I mean the, I, the idea of more people floating is a great idea. Yeah. But there's also something to be said about what you lose when you franchise. Which is? Your soul. Sometimes. I'm not saying it's... I'm not saying it's... it's, it's so you're saying where you step out of the equation and say, okay, this... Okay, you know, so it's... You don't okay. have that attachment anymore or... Yeah, it's, it's a hard one to articulate because I'm not saying that franchise model can't be amazing. Mm-hmm. And I could be... T- like, it could be totally doable. So with soul, you know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad to consider it. What I'm saying is franchise in general, like look at the owner of a subway. Like, is that somebody who's passionate about feeding people and who's passionate about, he's passionate about getting a second and a third and a fourth subway. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the owner of a Maverick's a better example. Or a sports clips. I mean, anything. But a Maverick seems like, like where we bought these presses. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, seems to be like the best example of, of something that presses, you're just... By the way, because they did not have any good craft beer selections. <laughs> oh, it's fine. But I'm <laughs> Go I'm happier with the press, but it's fine. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying like, they're just giving people what they want. You know? Yeah. I mean, what do you get at Maverick? All the aisles are fucking all sugar all habits. Yeah. And, and gas. Cause you have to have it. Yeah. Gas. And cause you got to get gas. Now you got to also get like all the other things mm-hmm. like all the other weird, like perfect, like instant gratification things. Yep. Like these presses, which are giving me some gratification. Exactly. No, I think, I think, uh, even, even better than franchising, creating a model to where, you can still spread the the company, but you have different managements in different states to, you know, yeah, it's not like you're selling your business over and over and over. You are, you're still, you're still creating. Yeah. But I, I maybe, maybe I'll change my mind on this in like, as it starts to evolve and maybe this is putting the cart before the horse anyways, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like trying, trying to talk about future locations. Well, you got to manifest. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying we also got to, you know, we got to fill up next week. <laughs> so damn arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> like we just got to fill up next week. Right. It's like, so I'm still trying to get the word out there, obviously. But my, my point, my point is, um, once you hit a certain size, you kind of hit the limits of what you can really even be involved in. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So what your particular bandwidth is only so big mm-hmm. and there's certain people who have more than others. So like there's certain people like Elon Musk who will just go fucking be in three massive projects or whatever. Yeah. Right. And undertakings that are huge and he's just taking them on anyways. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that, that exists too. But my, my point is, is like if, if it just ex- expanded to the point where I'm, you know, subject to a board of directors and, uh, there's, you know, there's all these dozens of locations across the States or whatever that all have their own franchisee, you know, running it. And basically all we did was give them the structure and they paid us for it. And yeah, and that's what a true, true rest is, right? Yeah. It's just like you pay them 40 grand or whatever, and then a royalty, uh, on your, on your revenue. And I think they might may or may not have a marketing fee as well because they do some marketing for you. But basically, the uh, the franchise model is pretty like standard. Yeah. You know of like what works for McDonald's. I wonder if you. I mean, can you really franchise something like this? Because with the McDonald's or a Subway, I mean, you've got to have a pretty. They have a pretty good guarantee that that's going to uh, be a good business, like a, a successful. Yeah. No. Totally. Sell a lot of. I don't think a lot of true rests have closed. That's like they seem to be, they seem to be way more likely to succeed than a regular float center. Yeah. So there's something about having the systems already in place or some of the, the, the guidance of the franchise, you know, that definitely helps people. So I think you can copy a lot from that. Like you can learn a lot from that and create some sort of system like where you're creating the conditions for a thriving, flourishing float center but that's also kind of got an organic connection to its community. So it's not, n- none of them are going to be the same. Yeah. Does that make sense? Cause every community is different. So it's like everyone should be, it should be an average of the people there, the people using it. Mm-hmm. It should be like an average for them and, and their own space. And so how do you, how do you get that by creating like a cookie cutter model where everyone fits in the same shape? Yeah. I mean, you have your requirements and all that, but but I guess if you're not overseeing it personally, that can change easily. Yeah, you know. So I, I think that the better if we did want to go, if if we were put in a position where we could go state to state to state, I think it would probably be better to be over it entirely, and and uh, sort of sort of set them up yourself. You know. Yeah, that's that's what Shrest is doing. And I, don't, I might just let them have it. Do you see what I mean? Well, they're gonna they're gonna take it. I know <laughs> they will. Way. And I don't. I really don't <laughs> care to. Like the idea of creating a uh, of a, a copy of something else. Yeah, that's not really what I'm, I'm about. Like I think so. So if we do have three locations, right? Just saying. In the future. Yeah, in the future, around you know around the states that we live in, or we'll just say Utah. Okay, around Utah, would you do you want them all to be the exact same, or do you want them all to be a little bit different? 
Um, so they would all be a little different, but the branding and the company would be the same. Yeah. So, so like, so maybe your artwork and things are more pertaining yeah, to the, the area that they're in. Maybe. Um, I mean, hard to beat what we got going on here. Yeah. So I don't know why we should look for like, I don't, I like the idea of connecting with all the artists. Yeah. You know, and then seeing what organically unfolds. What if you had one that was more, all the art was nature? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Like all, uh, it's the whole, a whole location where everything was about mountains, rivers, trees, and animals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I wonder if that would change your, your floats, if that would change your meditation state, you know? The, the problem with that one is, well, it's not a problem. And I think some people have done that, like float-ons is all oceany. Like that's sort of like their, uh-huh. their sort of jive, but it's, it's not oceany in the sense like you're by the ocean. Yeah. It's not like that. It's just like decorations and design and branding, you know. Right. It's it like, makes you think about floating in water, right? Sure. So it pairs with it. But um, to me, the headspace that I want to get people, like, I don't want to say headspace, but like the art itself is giving people a inclination mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. It's giving them like some sort of faint glimmer of something. Yeah, And so when they go into the float tank, I've had so many people already tell me this in just three weeks of being open. They're like, holy shit, it was just like that mural. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there was a, there's been a few people who have said that. And, yeah. Um, that makes me feel really awesome. No, like, that is, for, that's great. For our artists, like for Anne. That's great. And I wonder Anne if... Kelly.com. Shout out to Anne. Yeah. AnneKelly.com. That's A-N-N-E-K-E-L-L-I-E.com. <laughs> <laughs> Like do yourself a favor and Kelly.com. <laughs> yes. And I, I'm, I'm wondering if, if just walking in here and sort of seeing that before you get in the tank, if that, um, sort of fast forwards your mind to, to get in that, that state of consciousness, you know, I think artists, I, I, that's the idea to me. And Alex Gray is my favorite artist and he encapsulates this perfectly. And he, um, his quote was something along the lines of like, uh, visionary art uh it's basically it's 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 giving somebody like a new possibility Mm -hmm. you see what i mean like something that didn't exist in there it can create a totally new um idea from scratch right yeah and so you've got this art that just inspired somebody with a new idea of transformation or discovery or whatever then you you hop in the tank well, maybe, and maybe you don't even get the, the, like the, the true magnitude of the connection. spark until you're yeah. floating Yeah. later on. Maybe it might be like 10 floats, 20 floats away. Yeah. Whatever. Like the, the point is, is, is art. And this isn't about the float center at all. It's just about art. Like art in general has the ability to like wake people up, mm-hmm. has the ability to spark something in people. Yeah. And it, it I totally want to meet all the artists. And actually what we're going to do, this is just like a preamble because we're, um, I haven't like planned it or anything. You're saying meet all the artists that put art in Turner Floats. No, I'm I'm talking about like right now I want to meet all the artists. Oh. So even just with this location. So what we, I want to do something like uh, what Float On did in Portland, which is genius. They just did like, they did it as like a competition where they had, uh, any artist who wanted to do a submission, they'd get three free floats and they'd come and float. Uh, but the only thing is, is they had to come up with a 
they had to commission a piece. Like they had to really, they had to donate a piece of their art that was inspired by their floats. Oh, that'd be cool to see. Yeah, and then it's a competition, and they gave away some prize. I can't, I don't know what it was to the winner of the competition. Hmm. We could do it like that, or if we want to think of a different way besides competition, we could do something else. Like, yeah. Either way, my point is, it'd be sweet to get all these submissions of art from and meet all these artists. Yeah. And see what floating can do for creativity. Yeah. I, yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people people are artists too, not not just not just people that can paint or draw photos. They can take uh, that creativity and and put it into whatever they do. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you said paint and draw photos, but that would be click. That would be like take a photo of a photo, paint oh, and draw, right. paint and draw something else, I guess, on a canvas. The the power of art is like the direction we need to go yeah like i think i think not not just as a business but of of the world like artists dude that's that's like the it's like the frontier of where change starts do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like the all the cultural revolutions free speech you know women's rights like all of this shit starts with like the creative fringe the artists the creators right Mm-hmm. Not just the painters and the sketchers and whatever else, but yeah. the writers and the fucking podcasters. You know what I mean? Like the Joe event, Rogan, the dude. Explorers. <laughs> Joe Joe Rogan. Like, mm-hmm. how, what has that footprint had on our society already? Mm-hmm. And that's just. And I totally consider him a creator. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so, the other locations, I think, I think we'll probably. Well, we'll see how it plays out, but I, I really like the idea of sticking to the, I think we got a really, really solid, uh, brand too. right now. No, I like, it. I like the vibe here. I like just, just looking it up online and, and seeing the artwork. You know, if, if I didn't know about, if I didn't know about this company and I just looked it up, I'd be like, man, yeah, that looks that's intriguing. Another shout out, um, plugging studio wild. That's Kenzie. I don't think you got a chance to meet her, huh? I haven't met her. Um, you missed her. She was down here in October for a minute. Hmm. Um, you'll meet her for sure, but she's, uh, she's incredible. And it's, I think studiowild.com. but awesome. she's, uh, yeah, she, she can work from, I think she's probably East coast right now, but she works from anywhere. From anywhere. Yeah. She's a nomad. She's badass. That would be nice. <laughs> Dude, she's got some, she's lived some fucking life already. It always surprises me cause she's, she's kind of younger than me. I think she's like two or three years younger than me. Mm hmm. And, um, she's just like, she's been everywhere <laughs> and like lived all this life already. It's pretty sweet. Awesome. And she helped me like, that's, that's the thing I wasn't expecting. Like when you, when you reach out to somebody to do like design work, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you reach out to somebody to help you with craft a logo or, you know, you think like build your, the things people are going to see, gonna but you don't. At. You don't really, yeah, you don't really consider the fact that like you have to create something that you want them to see. Yeah. And so that's really what branding would be, you know, starting with. It's like brand identity work, like trying to figure out what the brand is. Right. And what you want to show people, what you want to tell people, what you want people to experience. It's all up front at a glance, you know? Yeah. Like you have an opportunity to, to show them what you're all about if, if you can put it into an image. (laughs) And here's the problem with the franchise model that we currently see everywhere people don't have to do their own identity work. They go and they buy a cookie cutter. They buy a fake face to put on. 
Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's just a it's a it's a thing that's been proven to have worked already, right? But yeah. it wasn't your idea. It wasn't your. It's not like a hundred percent you, right? Yeah. You're so, saying if you if you buy a franchise. And yeah, if you're just it. a if you're just somebody who went and bought a uh, like a franchise, you're a franchisee, right? Gotcha. Um, there's, I mean, depending on the franchise, I guess I don't know. Maybe there's somewhere you can, and maybe I'm sure there's franchisees who who love being franchisees too, because yeah. it lets you maybe focus on other shit that you enjoy. Yeah. Right, because it brings in the income that gives you the lifestyle you want to live. So that's mm-hmm. that's gonna be cool. But but still, like just you turn it, it, the business relationship then becomes this is the thing that gives me money. Right, mm-hmm. and that's more of the tends to be more of the identity yeah. with the business. Uh, it's more about just being in business to make money, and if you can get into the identity of what you're fucking here to do, obviously the first goal shouldn't be make money. Yeah, that's a that should just be a, a side you, effect. Unless that, you really need money to do what you want to do. <laughs> well, no, you do need money. I'm not saying you shouldn't make money. I'm saying I'm saying like the only the first objective shouldn't be make money. Make money shouldn't even be in a, an uh, an end objective. It should just be like a necessary part of the process right. to get there. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like it's just the the blood in the veins fueling the machine, you know, to go. Yeah, and I get that. Like we need it. So, but my point my point is is you need like a fucking purpose. You need a vocation. Mm-hmm. So, and it sounds like sort of sometimes it sounds maybe a little bit like overly dramatic, but it's like try to get purpose out of what you're doing to make money. Right. And what, what would that happen? What would happen? Like, what would you change if you were trying to get purpose out of this too? Mm-hmm. And maybe it changes by, you just walk the fuck away from <clears throat> what you were doing because try there's really no entirely. way to get purpose. <laughs> like sometimes it's just the wrong fit. Yeah. There's probably a lot of people that feel that way. Really? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm extremely, uh, stoked to be where we're at right now. Me too. Like, dude, it's been compared, a lot of work compared to a year ago. Yeah, yeah, no, a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of learning, but uh, feels it feels really good. It feels good just just to be having this conversation in this office mm-hmm. that you built. You know. Yeah, totally. I think. Um, uh, remember, I came up to Salt Lake. It's probably about a year ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm when we were talking about it and going over the business plan and stuff. Yeah. That was about a year ago. Yeah. It was probably, yeah, it was. No, because the float conference was in it was a little, September. It was a little more than a year ago. Yeah, a little bit more. Probably 14 months or yeah. so. Yeah. But still, like, it's, I remember going to the float conference with, I didn't even have business cards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't it have It wasn't shit. that long ago. Really, like, you've uh, crunched a lot. A lot of shit into a small amount of time to get here. Yeah, I guess. Um, I, 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 Lily says the same thing, and I, I always kind of tend to go the opposite way and say I, I wouldn't call it a lot. I would just call it like chapter one, like the first step. Yeah, because it's kind of the beginning. When you're in, because if you're if you've got like a reason to be in business as opposed to yeah, just to open and start making money. But that, Every, that first step is tough, dude. It's, yeah, it it's is. tough, tough. And if you don't uh, stick with it and, and you know. Dude, there were some through. moments for sure where I doubted it for sure. Like where it's just like it didn't seem like we were going to get the, the money together. Yeah, see, I didn't really think 
I mean, I, I've been on board the whole time. You've really been the, the gas and the engine on the whole thing. But um, really, it wasn't until you told me that you signed a 10-year lease <laughs> that you were like, oh, this <laughs> is real. I was like, okay, we've got to build this thing. We've got to build it quick. Yeah. There was always kind of a way out before then, huh? Yeah, there always is. Yeah, even with the lease, there's ways out. Like bankruptcy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much the only other way out. I think out. every entrepreneur uh, has somewhat of an uh, an exit plan. Um, yeah. An involuntary <laughs> exit plan. Uh, mine is Bitcoin. <laughs> 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 Just like have some Bitcoin tucked away. you have away. any. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, but you have, if you have some tucked away, I mean, just be frugal and patient. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's it, dude. That's... I'm not a financial fucking advisor. This is not financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> Fine print. But seriously, why the fuck doesn't everyone have Bitcoin? Everyone should have Bitcoin. I think a lot of people are still nervous about it. And it's it's probably bad to say that right now, actually. So if you just heard me say Bitcoin and you're reaching to buy Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin's yeah, probably going to be correcting yeah. down. Pull, like pull the reins just for <laughs> a, a minute. <laughs> it's it's uh, probably pretty, there's a lot of hype around it right now. It's pretty overbought, in my opinion. But that's just short term. Yeah. Really, if you just want to like be better off in the future, and you can you can f- overcome your emotion enough to hold on to it, mm-hmm. just buy it whenever. Yeah, that's my opinion. Just fucking buy it whenever because it doesn't matter what the short term game is. Yeah, the future of Bitcoin is strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If 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 you have the means to to buy it and hold it, it's I'm sure I'm sure it'll pay off. No one does though. Like ninety percent of people sell it when it's low. Well, it's they just, get, you can go back. I've been to there it. too. I've done it. I've it's just living in the now though. Yeah, like but if, like if you could foresee only or even thirty days, most of your decisions would be different. Oh yeah, totally. It's it's just tough to in the moment when the whole herd. This Bitcoin's a perfect example of the herd mm-hmm. of like crowd psychology, and. That's what we were talking about, that fear and greed index earlier. Like, that's what it's basically showing. It's yeah. just showing, like, when the crowd is fearful, everyone's selling. Yep. Everyone's selling. And and everyone gets caught up in all of the news and all of the publicity around it. And everyone's, like, everyone's already done this. This happened in 2018. There's yeah. a massive sell-off. Happens over and over and 2017, there's a massive storm of buying where everyone bought it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's going to probably continue, you know, with ups and downs. Yeah, I... Definitely will. But that doesn't change that the overall trajectory is yeah. strong. So hmm. anyways, that's my little backup plan. If so you're <laughs> not a financial advisor, but buy Bitcoin. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that's even... I think pretty much every financial advisor would tell you the same thing. Would they or would they tell you the opposite? Um, I think it depends on how you put parameters to buy. Like what does you mean to buy? Uh-huh. Like, do you put money? Oh, yeah, we have a little, you have a fund here and we'll manage your Bitcoin and you'll, you'll shuffle away some cash in the process or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just like go set up a, a BlockFi account and fucking do it yourself. Yeah, do it yourself and get paid interest on the coins you're holding. Yeah. Or whatever. Or you could just be super cautious and secure and buy some cold storage, Trezor, Nano, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you just have a Bitcoin on coal, on ice, right? <laughs> and it's just off the internet, and it's totally tucked away and safe. 
and it's not super convenient. It's easy. It's, it's not like it's, you can't access it, but it's not super convenient to just like carry a treasure around and like have to plug it's it like, in to make trades and all that <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. why don't you just like forget about it? Like put it on the fucker and just forget about it. Yeah. And then turn around and all, all of a sudden, you know, it's a bull market again. And all of a sudden, it's 2025, and the dollar is not looking too hot. It's definitely a tough thing, though, to to invest in something that's that you're planning on holding on to for a long time, you know, five, ten years. Yeah. Real estate, people buy real estate, and they hold on to it because it's, like, it's just not know. going anywhere. You know, you might as well just fucking... I think that's funner than buying Bitcoin. Because <laughs> you can actually physically see that the home or the or the the building that you're investing in and see how it's paying out month to month. Yeah, Bitcoin just kind of seems like an illusion still. It, it, it I can totally see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I can and I can't see that because you're saying illusion, but it's approaching its all time high. It's at its all time high right now. I just mean you can't physically hold it. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you're right about that. I mean, it's more ab- abstract for sure. But, dude, that's really... Yeah, we've reached we've reached really abstract places when it comes to money. Have you ever put a quarter in a soda pop machine and then had it jam on you and you didn't get your soda? Yeah. That's how crypto fails to a lot of people. <laughs> dude, that's so real. To a lot of people. Yeah, it's so fucking real. That's also how Vegas fails. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I I think most people are playing crypto like Vegas, and I was to- totally doing that for a period of time too. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's part of the problem. Yeah, you're like because it's appealing to to see another way out. Yeah, from your current like how you're currently making money, how you're true. currently like living your life. It's like, whoa, what if I could just real quick turn this money into way more money? Yeah, and then I can go do whatever I want, you uh-huh. know, and I can go like build, build up the empire, do whatever the fucking the whatever party you is, do, which is really just blow it all and get back to normal. <laughs> go, go to Vegas. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely like a, the get rich mentality can be strong for sure. Or the get rich quick mentality, right? Yeah. That's, you have to go into it. The plan. Dude, that gets people in Utah more than anything. Does it? Don't you think so? With all the MLMs and the, Bitcoin, yeah. dude. There's the reason why you can't buy. Families are bigger. The reason why you can't <laughs> buy Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Well, we can't buy Bitcoin. Sorry, you can't exchange Bitcoin with stable coins on BlockFi. Uh huh. Is because it's in Utah, and Utah has a rule against it. Mm. And I promise you, it's because people have been scammed like crazy here. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Think about how many crypto scams have. I mean, uh, yeah, that we've been a part of. Yeah. <laughs> That we've seen firsthand up close and personal. Mm-hmm. That hurts. It hurts to just see like th- what could have been 30 grand turn into yeah. nothing. Especially when you have no money. Yeah. Like you don't have a savings account and you've got all this illusion money in this cryptocurrency that is a scam. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of them are. Ends in a scam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's. Yeah, bites. It, it feels like a cult. <laughs> if you ever, did you ever get on that, uh, that, group chat with arb which the, the discord they had they had like a community arb discord and there was like a thousand or more people in there just or 500 people or whatever it was yeah i believe so 
you ever get in there yeah like yeah the chat rooms chat rooms yeah uh-huh. dude it's like it sounds like a cult yeah like when you step back and you read it you're like holy everyone's fuck. praising this everybody's praising the ceo <laughs> like he's this is this god or something and he's just like changing the world and everyone's completely oblivious because they're making so much illusion money yeah but dude it's just an echo chamber yeah there's just this finite line it's like are you in the discord community or not and if you're in the discord community then you're just like all of a sudden part of a cult where your mindset's hijacked and you can't think rationally yeah and you're just you know you're you're telling yourself it's going to change like you're telling yourself it's no it's all going to work out you know yeah when the red flags start to come mm-hmm. and honestly the second that the the real red flag hits where you can't withdraw money you know you're fucked Oh, yeah. The second yeah. you can't get your money off the platform anymore, it's like, oh, it's just shitty. Yep. Yep. That's when it hit for me. <laughs> yeah. And I think once that stage hit, we were able to squeeze what, like a couple, couple coins off of there max mm-hmm. in some in like tiny trades that they would. No, I, to. I got, I got fully fucked. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> Bend over. Yeah. I thought that I had doubled my money, but in turn I had given all of my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because your money I, had doubled, and had you taken it off the platform before, yeah, had I gotten it been off, fine. I'd, I'd been okay, right? But you did. You got some off of. I I just rec- I just the second the second I was able to recoup my initial investment, I took it off, and yeah. then and then I just left the rest and uh, was really considering taking all of it off. Yeah, like I, there was a period there. I really kicked myself because I felt it's like, like I, I was going to take a massive profit from my from my ABOT account or whatever. Uh-huh. And I think I had probably almost 30 grand in there. So I, I could have just pulled it. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. But even then, like pulling it, even then it's kind of weird because like you'd be pulling it knowing that everyone else is fucked <laughs> that you're selling it to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's best case scenario to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, anybody can, could have, everyone could have gotten out if they had done it the right time. But it's that anticipation of what's this, what's what's next? How much is this going to grow to? That kept me in at least. Yeah, right. It's yeah. the casino mindset for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. So, but back to back to the float center for a sec. Oh, I'm fine not talking about ARB. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like fuck ARB. <laughs> R.I.P. to all of my family savings account. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sucks. Sucks ass. No, you live and you learn. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of like cults. Wait, you said back to floating. Yeah. Speaking okay. of cults. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> we're 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 starting a cult. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but like the the uh, experiment, the Trinor Tribe experiment. Uh huh. The medallions that we have. Um, to me, like that's. <clears throat> It's it's a different kind of uh, different kind of thing, right? Where where when you join when you join something where it's it's actually putting you at risk. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you sign up for something and you and and you have to commit financially to it or whatever, like you get your you get hijacked into something. But what if you what if you just gave people the, a gift unconditionally? Mm-hmm. So you're not asking them for anything in return. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we're gonna do with the rest of our medallions, which is we have a few left, but the and and the people that are part of it. Yeah. So 
I, I'm really fascinated by how that's going to play out because I think it's going to evolve. I don't think it's like as black and white as, oh, well, what are the people right now giving who have medallions versus the people who don't have medallions, right? Yeah. And comparing the metrics side by side. I think that data is pretty irrelevant. Yeah. But, I mean, not irrelevant. Probably doesn't add up. Not irrelevant, but not anyway. the whole story. Yeah. And I think, I think the whole story is um, when floating actually starts to change people's lives. Like when people start to experience real benefits in a, their own transformation. Yeah. So as, as soon as that starts to happen, what will those medallions mean to them? I mean, I'm sure they'll be really helpful. It's it uh, just just to have just to have that access to to be able to go and explore your mind whenever you want to. I think it's really powerful. And I, you know, you, you really can't do it everywhere. And having it having it in town is really nice. Yeah. It's uh it makes me want to go float. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm stoked. I'm stoked, man. It's good to uh it's good to finally be able to like sit down and uh you know, acknowledge it a little bit. Yeah. It's been super busy. Yeah, relax a little bit and understand what you've created. <laughs> yeah. And now that we've uh changed our we got the pricing right now uh-huh. i feel like it's connected with everyone pretty much who's walked through the door since then yeah pricing is, right meaning the yeah first so three floats yeah so basically we just uh decided that the best way to to phrase it we were already trying to get people to do three floats so i was mm-hmm. saying your third floats free yeah but now it's like why don't we just package it as hey if you're a first time floater you get three floats that's how it works. Yeah. You come in, you get three floats. It's 99 bucks. Yeah. If you're not satisfied with getting three floats for 33 bucks each, which is ridiculous, <laughs> then, and you're for some reason not stoked about it after, we'll give you all your money back. Yeah. So like, why, why yeah, not? That's great. Yeah. I'm not worried. <laughs> yeah. You, you owe it to yourself to try it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, ever since we implemented that, we've sold a ton of those. Awesome. And a bunch of people are, um, like commit into three floats, which is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's more just, just knowing, just, just knowing up front. That's what the experience is. You know, you, you really should give it a fair shot. Right. And it, and if just like my first float, honestly, if, if I was just completely basing it off of my first float, it probably would have taken me a long time to get, get back here and, and, and work on it again. Right. You know? But yeah, it's, looking it's, back and seeing the benefits since I first started, um, um, I'm really happy that I, that I continue to go, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and now we get to bring it to other people, which is pretty rad. No, it's, it's super cool. If you think about, if you think about that, like just, we're talking about like our past selves. Imagine like sitting in my house in Vegas mm-hmm. after floating and just being like, dude, we're going to open one of those. Yeah. <laughs> like probably just felt like a pipe dream really at that time. Yeah. It wouldn't have felt like a real possibility. Yeah. That's what's so crazy is like the, it would, it would have seemed like magical or something, Yeah, you know? And the, the, but then obviously the, that's, that's just all of life. Yeah. It's magical. Magic is just like what you can understand because it's too far out of your per- yeah. current realm of possibility. Yeah. No, but now that you, now that you have created a company start to finish, found all the ways, found all the ways to do it, to build the, you know, the, from getting the money to getting the building to, to the, the build out, all of that. Um, the people, the staffs are like getting, yeah, everything. But now that you've gone systems. through that and experienced that, um, doing it again, 
wouldn't be nearly as difficult, would you say? Well, it it might because I would I would shoot bigger. Yeah. So the second well, one you have the be, confidence. Well, the second one would be bigger, but it would it also incorporate a bunch of other things. Like originally, I wanted to have yoga here. Yeah. And uh, it's just not enough space. Yeah. And you know, also you're just biting off too many different things at once. Yeah. We're gonna be doing massage and a bunch of other things out of our uh, kind of like cool little multi-purpose yeah. room that we don't have a name for yet. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like I talked to a bunch of cool practitioners who do different things, everything from like hypnotherapy to, uh, Reiki and energy stuff to mm-hmm. ketamine therapy, you know, like all that stuff. And it's, it's like, there's a ton of people who want to, seems like they want to contribute. Like it seems yeah. like they, they're connecting with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so there's a, there's a whole community here of human beings who see this, that, you know, there's a need for this healing. Yeah. And, uh, they're all, they're all actively on their own path, doing their own thing, like contributing to that as well. So it's really cool to see like that. I feel like it's just reassurance that we're going in the right direction. Yeah. No, that's gotta feel good. That's gotta feel like a good sign. Yeah. So the, the goal with the next one would probably be to get, uh, more modalities together Mm -hmm. under one roof. And I'm really inspired by float state in Corona. Like you got to check that place out, um, in California. Okay. And James, uh, Searles, I think is his name. The guy that owns it, um, is, is he's just d- probably done the best job of anybody I've seen do a float center. So what's it like? He's just got, so you walk in, I mean, it's instantly good vibes and it's in a great location. Um, but it's instantly good vibes, awesome staff and they have everything. So cryotherapy, halo therapy for the salt room. Wow. Um, they've got like a yoga studio. They've got in that same yoga room, they do like workshops and stuff. They have mm-hmm. the Lucia light, which is kind of interesting. It's like a hypnagogic light. It makes you like all trip out while you're, wow. you just close your eyes and it flashes lights and it, your brain just hallucinates. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's interesting. And then they have like a bunch of float rooms, three of the big ones like we have. Uh-huh. Um, and they, I think they have massa- oh, they have massage. Uh, they probably have something else that I'm not thinking of. Wow. Yeah. That is a lot under one roof. Yeah. It's like 4,000 square feet or something. It's in a pretty big space. Wow. But it's just badass. It's cool yeah. to see like him and he's killing it. It's doing really well. So it's just badass to see people are just responding. You know, people are showing up. So for you, turn North float is more than definitely more than just floating. Well, it's primarily, into... it's primarily floating. Yeah. Like the big, and when I say bigger, I also mean more float tanks because, uh, right now with our three float rooms and cause we decided to convert the fourth one into that fire and ice room. Uh-huh. Right. So with the three float rooms, we really don't have the capacity to float everybody. Not even close. Yeah. And not even close to Not even 1% of everybody. <laughs> like, like if people come more often than once per year, do you see what I mean? Yeah. We're going to take a small, small, small percentage of the market and so yeah. right, right now, all of the people here who are like, ooh, floaty floating, it's a great industry. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I just go compete with us. Sure. Like, yeah. go give more people floating. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's yeah. absolutely enough people. Oh, totally. And so it's, there's, as soon as it catches on and people realize like, oh shit, this is, uh, this is amazing uh, yeah. for my life. Then I, and, and then if you can make it affordable and if you can create a model where, where it's, like McDonald's, it has to be accessible, right? Like yeah. that's why McDonald's is so successful if people can afford it. Yep. And if you price yourself out of accessibility, accessibility, 
Yeah. Then all of a sudden you're just helping, you know, you might be able to still make money doing that to a, to a more privileged demographic, but are you really helping all the people who need it the most? Yeah, exactly. So we got to figure out how to make that accessible and keep it that way. Yeah. I think even, even with that, just as a business, it's, I think it's smarter to start off with what you can start off with and sort of create your way into more float tanks. Right. So, so if you, if you want a building where, where we can have a lot more float tanks, then, um, it would still be better to do that on not borrowed money. Yeah. One thing hundred percent to be able to create it because it, it feels like a, a proper movement to make, not like you're forcing it and just hoping that it will work out. Yeah. Throwing up you a know. Hail Mary and putting the, your current business at risk. Everything really. Yeah. Yeah. Your whole life. But like, ideally you want to come from a place of confidence and a place of, uh, Oh, oh, we've, we've already figured a lot of this out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And our, our guess, our guesswork's kind of out of the way. You know, we've already, we've already gone through that kind of risky phase of like trying to figure things out and get things yep. open and more and more just like, okay, this is, we've got the data, this is proven. And also fuck yes, we're going to help more people. Yeah. And so let's go make it bigger and get more people in the door who need it. But that's like I said, putting, putting the cart before the horse, like yep. we're not full yet, you know? Nope. Nope. But I mean, you may as well plan on it. I don't think it's going to take very long. I'm planning on a pretty busy December actually. Yeah. I mean, even if it, even if it takes several months. Yeah. We, and we um, got, we, what is that really? You know? Yeah. It's nothing. It's just, honestly, I'll be looking back to those months with nostalgia, wondering like, like how I had like what it was like to have like free time, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, honestly though, I, I, I'm hoping that we can get it nailed down to where we can be slammed all the time and, and still work on all cylinders, like just yeah. smoothly handle it. Yeah. Instead of being like chaos. And, and I yeah. really think we can get there for sure. Yeah. One thing that we might have to do, it, we're still trying to dial it in cause we've had some busy days for sure. Yeah. And, um, when it's fully, it's full like that. If you just get one appointment that comes in late or they get started late for some reason, uh, kind of messes up. Yeah. What if like someone falls asleep and we can't get them out of the room? Yeah. You know, like you have, you have this, yeah, this whole schedule dilemma because you, we have a pretty tight window to get those rooms ready for people. The cleaner has the, the, it's turning the water over for 15 minutes and we got to let it run the whole time. So it's like you, you really have to, uh, in a 30 minute turnover, you have to get people out of the room, get it clean and get people into the room 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, which is doable, but if you're packed, you don't have a lot of margin for error. Right. Um, so I deal with this constantly. Yeah. (laughs) So we're trying, we're trying to figure out like the, if we can eliminate, you know, the errors as much as possible. One way is like, we got to get the, the sign that the float is over has to be more obvious for sure. More some, obvious than lights and well, there's no jets. lights. The it's oh. just music and and the music and the filter now, right? So okay, the lights don't turn on at the end. Can you set them so they do? Totally. The problem with that is, is they're bright as fuck. They will shock you awake. So that happens. Like it'll wake people up every time. But the problem is, is that it's it's kind of disruptive. So I would prefer to ease on some music take people out of it slowly and then have the, 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 the valve swing and the, the filter essentially wakes people up. Like it, mm-hmm. it blows water into the tank and, yeah. 
um, moves you around a little bit. I think all we got to do is turn the RPMs on that up a little bit because oh. it's pretty it's pretty subtle right now, and some people sleep through it. Oh, so you've had people fall asleep? Yeah, but I've had a lot of other people who just get out right on time. Yeah. So it's it's just some people are in a deep place, mm-hmm. and they which they, is good. We encourage yeah, you to go totally. there. Totally. So I we gotta find, we just gotta you know figure out a way to make it more consistent, I guess. Um, but like worst case scenario, if we can't nail it with all of our systems on a thirty minute block, we'll have to we'll have to increase that to more time, mm-hmm. so that we have more time to get everything to spend more time with customers and you yeah. know, all that kind of stuff. But we might have to increase our transition times, which would make us run less appointments in a day. Mm. So I'm, I'm trying not to do that if possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in the beginning, you probably, I mean, now, the beginning is now. You, I mean, you, if you can afford to do that, might be nice to try it. Yeah. But but maybe, you know, if if things start getting booked out that tight where it's back to back to back for a full full day, then it would probably would be nice to just maybe mention that to people, right? Before they get in, right? Yeah, we're gonna. Well, our video that we're making right now is gonna do a good job of that. There you go. It's subtle. Yeah, the I think with the holidays coming up, um, we're we're working on some videos, some promotional stuff, and also been collaborating. You know, finally gonna start doing some online outreach, like some online ads and stuff, and just stuff I haven't awesome. had the bandwidth to really think too much about. Yeah until more recently yeah and like we were talking about before uh collaborating with other businesses like yoga and stuff like that oh yeah yeah that's crazy just to open that door and start connecting dude it's been that's actually the part i was excited about Mm -hmm. and actually this right here like i'm actually really excited for this because i'm gonna bring i'm gonna try to bring a bunch of people through these doors and Mm -hmm. float and and sit down here and do podcasts yeah and highlight some cool um people in the community in saint george right yeah yeah. Um, but then uh, other people too, like, uh, got some, got some people lined up already who, who travel and are going to swing through. Yeah, that's cool. awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. I love that part. I love that part about this business. Really. There's actually a lot of things I like about it. Um, it, it's, it's the type of type of business where you can, it goes back to that sort of freedom, that time freedom thing, you know? Like it's not like in most, most businesses, um, the more money you want to make basically relies on how many employees can you get and how much business can you get, you know, and it's all about running X amount of employees in construction. It's literally like, that's where, that's how, that's how you rate the, the, the size of your company is by how many employees you have. Right. You know, but with something like this, it doesn't take that many people to run it. And, um, every every customer that comes through, every person that comes through is getting a benefit from it all at the same time. Yeah. You know? So, so it, it's, it's nice. It doesn't disrupt a lot of, a lot of shit in your life. You yeah. Know? I mean, if, if, if we can make sure we set it up the right way. Yeah, exactly. But with, it, with like, with, with plumbing, for instance, you know, I, I've got to go all the time. Like I've got to be there. I've got to answer questions type, yeah. of, type of thing, you know? So for me, this is a, this is a business that I would far rather be a part of. Yeah. Well, I'm stoked you're part of it, man. Me too. Yeah. It's been, uh, you've been instrumental. There's no way we would be here without you. hundred percent. Well, you, I mean, you probably could have, <laughs> eh, maybe, <laughs> uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. You've been well, you've been a big part of it. Um, like I I just I don't think I would have had an, a, the momentum and the money I needed in the first place. We've we've definitely have had a lot of uh, long phone calls. Yeah, that too. A lot of long phone calls. That too. Like I I don't Which know. Great. Yeah, it helps me helps me uh, kind of work through my own thoughts. You know. Yeah. Any any time you can bounce ideas off of somebody is is really healthy. Yeah, a partners helps a lot for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to piss my pants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we should, so we should probably wrap it. <laughs> All right. But yeah, man, I love you, dude. It's been awesome. Me too, brother. I'm, I'm stoked to be a part of it. Cool. Dude.